Every holiday season, Doughboys fans know we are in for the opposite of a treat, as the podcast takes an extended holiday break. This year, we were treated to just the opposite, a real treat, as the boys released two landmark episodes of their trademark shenanigans. This week on Boys, it's Doughboys 82, Steak and Shake 3 with Evan Susser, and Doughboys special Rogue Boys, Rogue One with Drew McQueenie. One, two, three, four, boys! Welcome to Faux Boys, the podcast about Doughboys, the podcast about chain restaurants. I am Aaron Staley. I'm Brendan Trishler. I'm Brian Edwards. And Rob is not with us this week. We should start, I mean, we don't always have all the hosts here, and we should say when somebody's not here, right? Yeah, that took yeah. a long time last time. <laughs> don't yeah. think I noticed that. <laughs> I knew you would. I felt I really bad about listening 38 minutes noticed in. It, though. What? I don't think the listening audience has noticed that there was anything wrong at all. Oh, yeah. We're no, that's the listening audience true. at this point. Mm. <laughs> so I did. No, we have listeners. We have a few listeners. That's true. Yeah. Hello to all the listeners out there. We're doing this, well, for ourselves, but we're glad you're listening. <laughs> um, how are you guys doing this week? Uh, you know, going back to work tomorrow. It'll be yeah. great. <laughs> did you have happy holidays? Uh, I, I did. How how was your guys's? Nice. It was nice. I had some friends in town. All my Jewish friends came into town for Christmas mm-hmm. and uh, celebrated Hanukkah. Very nice. We um, made latkes, which oh. is one of my favorite Jewish foods. I do like latkes. latkes I had those last night for dinner. That's as you should. They're delicious. <laughs> um, I have a, a latke recipe that I love, and... Um, we used it to make latkes. We made um, way too many latkes. It was like two giant mixing bowls full of like shredded potatoes in the mix and everything. Nice. And then just like my friends frying them for like an hour until we got about two-thirds of the way through it all and said, you know what, let's uh, uh, call it a day. This is way too many. We're never going to eat them anyway. Why bother frying them and throwing them away? <laughs> um, so, you know, but they were delicious. Sure, are there any specific like sides or sauces you like to put with those? Like I've seen it with like sour cream, I've seen it with like apple. Yeah, which one do you prefer? I love sour cream on latkes. Okay. Um, I think applesauce is a great choice for a latke topping, but I am not personally a big fan of applesauce. Um, and in fact, I've been coming around to various jellies and fruit flavors a little bit in the last few months but until then it was something i would have said i don't want this at all actually this comes up to a topic i wanted to talk about on the show before we get into the episodes um i went to ikea uh for i think the fourth time in the last few months um i needed to buy a rug and i decided that this time I was do- going to make an effort to go to the Ikea restaurant and get oh, myself nice. some Swedish meatballs. Ooh. Um, and I did. And I found them to be really good. Yeah. Um, you get, for five bucks, you get a plate of ten uh, like beef and pork meatballs, um, steamed vegetables, mashed potatoes, gravy, and lingon- lingonberry jam, I think it is. Yep. Um, and that jam was so good. Like, it was really, really good. Um, the other thing you should get um, in hindsight now, but yeah. they, at least they used to at their soda fountain machine, they used to have lingonberry juice. 
as oh, an option. Wow. It is well, so good. That sounds really good. It's great. I have not been to IKEA in years. I need to make a right trip for some reason. Are they but common just, up there? Uh, yeah, there's like two in the city. They're a bit of a stretch to get there. Like it's a long subway ride to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like basically you want to cajole a friend who has a car and making a trip with like two or three people. Where's the one that's uh, like north of the city? Yeah. What neighborhood like is it? New subway line. It's on that weird new subway line that no one uses, which is a giant mm-hmm. waste of money. Yeah. Uh, there's another one way out west. Like I think basically go to the end of the subway line. Do you know what the what's the name of the neighborhood that the one in the north is in? Oh, I could not think of that. Because I stayed uh, when I was working in Downsview, Ontario, which is like yeah. just kind of the northern tip of Toronto between like it's I guess it's Mississauga technically. Yeah. Um, and uh, I stayed like 20 minutes north of that one week at a hotel that was across the street from the IKEA, just in the middle of nowhere, in a Marriott That's courtyard up there. Um, the upside of a Marriott Courtyard is that all the Marriott Courtyard re- uh, uh, hotels have the same restaurant, and the food there is pretty good. Nice. Um, so if you're traveling a lot, it can be really hard to find consistently hearty but not too rich meals. And the Courtyard restaurant has some pretty good, like, it has, like, good, like, hangover junk food for when you just don't have an appetite. And then it also has pretty good, like, chicken sandwich on whole wheat bread, like, for when you just need, like... Something a meal that is a regular meal and not like a restaurant meal, you know. You can get like a cup of fruit there, you can get like a couscous salad or like a quinoa salad or something. It's good. It's very good. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So anyway, that was my um my IKEA meatball story. Um I uh I'm trying to think. I think I had another fast food thing I wanted to tell you guys about too. Yeah, have you been in any chains like uh, over the last like week or two? I'm trying to think. I've really been cooking a lot. I've been trying to cut down on my chain usage. Mm. <laughs> um, I love cooking, though. By the way, it is like so fun. Um, I've made I some love really good too, food. but I find it hard to make something substantial or nice just for myself. Yeah, you know, having company over, it's fun to make something. I'll really dive into that and get a lot of good things. But it's like, oh, I got to make something for myself. Ugh, See, it's, it's, just like, like, it's like a more communal process. I like yeah. it when it's like when it's you're sharing with people. When it's just me, yeah. it's just like I'll just fucking make some salad or pasta, and that's it. Yeah. See, I, I like spend my free time cooking for myself. Like I, I am trying to think. On Friday, I made, um, uh, I made this like lemony, uh, creamy lemony pasta, um, mm-hmm. and then I made Caesar salad with like Caesar dressing uh, from scratch, um, shrimp, and then yesterday I made, um. I made these like chicken skewers with this uh, uh, marinade that my friend got me from Wegmans that he really likes. Um, so that, and then this couscous I've been making, where it's uh, couscous with like fried tomatoes, and then you you cook the couscous and then you put it into a pan with a bunch of butter in there and brown it, and then mm-hmm. flip that over onto a plate so it gets this like really blackened, crispy top Ooh, to it. Um, like a paella. Like, what? Almost like a paella. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'd never occurred to me. <laughs> What do you know? <laughs> and then today I'm making vegetarian shepherd's pie. So I've got potatoes in the slow cooker right now cooking. What's in vegetarian shepherd's pie aside from like the usual ingredients? I mean, is there is there an alternative to the meat or is it just... I think no the, the meat substitute would be mushrooms and lentils are the main okay. like... Yeah. But there's also just like, like carrots and celery and stuff. Shepherd's pie is like a great thing to make after like as a post Thanksgiving thing. It's like the easiest fucking thing to make with, yes. with leftover mashed potatoes and everything like that. That's a great point. That never occurred to me. Yep, it's what I've always done. 
like a <laughs> the time honored tradition, pie. as you know, <laughs> as we German people like to make shepherd's pie. Very German. I made, of you. I made a uh, beef stroganoff in my slow cooker the other day when I had company over. It was pretty mm. good. That's really good. Beef stroganoff is like beef and gravy all, and pasta, right? Because I was home all day, it's like, oh, I can actually use the low setting instead of like trying to do it in four hours. I can actually <laughs> properly eight. So start at noon and then go town. And oh, it was so good. It was really, really good. You're right, Aaron. That's what it is. Yeah, that sounds really good. And that's actually what I thought the IKEA meatballs would come with. I thought it would be meatballs and gravy oh, and yeah. pasta. Um, because I nope. think the only other time I've had Swedish meatballs was in like a uh, like a shelf a, a, like a shelf stable like instant dinner package from the supermarket <laughs> one time or something, and and it was noodles and gravy and, and meatballs. Um, and I really like that combination of noodles and gravy. Yeah. Um, I think if I made Swedish meatballs at home, which I've been thinking about doing, um, ever since the last time I went to IKEA and didn't buy the meatballs, um. <laughs> I would definitely do it with noodles rather than with um, uh, mashed potatoes. Nice. Unless I had, like, potatoes to use up or something. Um, I've tried, I could have sworn I went to a chain, too. The Ikea was the big one, though. The only chain that I went to recently was yesterday. It's probably mm-hmm. not... It's, I don't think it's one of the states. called well, Gabby's is kind of like a, a pub, tavern-type place. Yeah, I don't sport. know that one. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch. I went to uh, the Second City Main Stage show yesterday with my buddy. Uh, nice. Just so good. It's probably the better ones in years. It was unbelievable. But a couple of my people I know in it. Uh, it was their last show. Like they were leaving the company, uh, moving on to other things. So one of them is now going to be teaching me improv next week. So pretty cool. excited. Mel <laughs> Julie, he's amazing. Very excited. Uh, he was in Picnic Face. If anyone knows uh, the uh, Canadian sketch group, uh, they're hilarious. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gabby's was really good. It was like very sports bar. So I got like uh, I got a boneless wings with a lemon or lime chili dry rub, uh, some fries and some kettle chips with some really nice garlic dip to start. And my buddy got a steak sandwich. It was good. Yeah, good stuff. That sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you have you had the, the food at Second up. City? Uh, pardon? Have you had the food at Second City? Uh, yeah, a couple times. Usually, like, maybe an appetizer or something like that. Usually just getting drinks there. We were planning to go for dinner afterwards anyway, so like, we'll, we'll yeah. just save for a nice dinner. Uh, had a couple drinks there. Watch a drink very slowly fall in front of us. Like, both of us afterwards, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I saw that coming, too. You know, we had, <laughs> the server was like, it's in the dark, right? And she's trying to check her phone to see what table it's supposed to go to. And she had a tray full of drinks, and she kept checking and checking. And you're just watching the tray leaning more and more forward. Like, oh, the liquid is like hitting the brim at the end. You're like, and then like you look away for a second, all of a sudden you hear smash. You go, yep, oh. that was going to happen. Brutal. <laughs> I didn't mind the food at Second City when I used to go there. I was, you know, because I was, I need a dinner somewhere, so I might yeah. as well just get it there. Um, and uh, I, I recall it being not bad. You know, like comedy club food, I found to be serviceable all around yeah. you know every comedy club has the same like balsamic tomato flatbread which i always think is a good idea and never enjoy um <laughs> there's always like a fine burger that's like a little too hefty and a little too cylindrical like a little too much of a perfect molded yeah. beef round um nachos with frozen fries nachos mm-hmm. and then in my opinion, usually your best bet at a comedy club or something like that is chicken tenders because you yeah. really can't mess up chicken tenders and fries. Get some honey mustard sauce with that. Get some ketchup, and you'll be all set. Did you ever go to a uh, comedy bar when you were here? No, I didn't. 
Omni Bar is great venue. It's a great venue for like comics. Like I've heard comedians on like podcasts talk about how good it is. Yeah, it's a great venue. It's a good vibe. Uh, it's good space. The food there is actually really good too. Like they do like bun mees and really like, goat cheese salads and things Oof. like that. It's, like really nicer level stuff. Like you can get a burger there and you get nachos there, but it's good quality. But you also get like some cool alternate, more alternative stuff that's a little higher endage, and they pull it off really well. It's always fun to get food there. The one, um, the one comedy club meal I remember vividly uh, is I went to Yuck Yucks in Toronto to see James Adomian. <laughs> yep. Um, and the show was, I can't remember the host's name, but mm-hmm. it was like, it was Thomas Kelly or something like that. Mm-hmm. Ah, that can't be right. I know someone else named Thomas Kelly, but maybe that was the guy's name. Um, but it was like Thomas Kelly's gay extravaganza or something. Yep. It was all gay comics. Um, and I sat in the front row. I got there very early. I ordered food and ate it during the show. Mm-hmm. And this dude, like, was flirting with me for the entire, like, <laughs> his, his entire hosting set. Like, I was his, like, his oh, guy that he went yep. to. Meanwhile, I'm there eating my chicken tenders and fries, which were very good and came with, like, a really interesting plum sauce mm-hmm. um, that was that was really tasty. Um, but I, I don't think I'm going to order food and sit in the front row at the same show again, um, because it, it, it seemed to be distracting to the, to the, I've comments, seen it like at know? comedy bar, someone will get like nachos and yeah. be in the front row and the comedian will of course call it out and talk about it. And yeah. I remember, I can't remember who it was, but it said, Oh, those look really good. And the person goes, would you like some? That's hilarious. Oh, it was pretty good. Uh, that's amazing. All right, guys, should we jump into this? Sure. So, a couple of really interesting episodes here. Um, Very atypical. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So let's let's go in chronological order forward. So let's start with uh, the Steak and Shake episode. Um, this episode was a corker. The rough one. Uh, really, really, really interesting. Um. Uh, what did you guys think? I mean, what was your experience listening to this episode? I found it difficult to listen to for <laughs> large chunks. Yeah. I was, I knew, for some reason, I, I think I knew it wasn't the end of the podcast before. So what <laughs> they were seriously sounding like talking about, no, this is it. This is it. Okay, fine. We won't do anymore. We just won't do anymore. It's like, I think it's going to be okay by the end. And there's still like a good, like 40 <laughs> minutes or whatever left. But it's like, still, this is not something I'm enjoying right now. Yeah, it's very difficult to listen to. Like I could understand both of their sides. I was probably, and for understandable reasons, uh, leaning more towards Nick's side. Like I wanted to tell Mitch, drop it, just drop it. Stop asking him about it. Stop bringing it up. Just let it go. But then, I mean, it eventually did come around to a nice airing of their feelings and getting things out, which was good. But for a while there, I was like, oh, stop, stop. Now, in your estimation, was Mitch the aggressor or the, like... He was, and understandably to degree. I mean, his point was that you should have played along with my... Was it... What was the name of the band? I'm blanking. Uh, Dave oh, Matthews? Yeah. Dave Matthews band. Like, you should have riffed on that. And it's true. I mean, improv, you're supposed to, you know, say yes and go with the gag. I can understand Nick's pun because he doesn't know any Dave Matthews bands off his head, so it would be hard to riff on a pun of a Dave Matthews song if you don't know them. Right. But at the same time, you just you don't like in improv. It doesn't matter. You just you don't know. You pretend you know, and whatever you say is true. But <laughs> right. I mean, I kind of get like he was in the mood. 
Nick's always very much the let's get to the business, get to the topic, stay to food, and Mitch wasn't having any of that. Uh, so they were very much just on very different places. Yeah, I this... thought Mitch was making very good points for most of it, frankly. Yeah, I I felt like I, I felt like Mitch started out uh, calling Nick out for something that maybe Nick, maybe Mitch didn't need to call him out for, you know. But over time, he's gotten more and more frustrated, and so he called Nick out over not playing along. And to me, that's just always been part of their dynamic. Like, yeah. it's not an improv-heavy podcast. Like, once in a blue moon, Mitch goes into a character and they run with it for 30 seconds, but yeah. it's not an improv show. Like, it's a food show. And they're really good comedians and improvisers, and and I think it plays into... Th- the way the improv works on Doughboys is the reality of the show is constructed out of their bizarre, like, dynamic, dynamic and the yeah. bizarre, like constraints they put onto the show their weird rating systems their like weird rules of like changing changing ratings and stuff like that like the the reason one of the reasons doughboys is so good is the canonicity of everything is is never in question but it's always yeah. in question like yeah. anything <laughs> can get retconned at any time yeah but it's anything but everything change, what? But there's a strict anything can change but there's a strict format at the same time yeah which i love yeah. Um, like, Nick, like Nick, the dynamic like, for me it was like Mitch is trying to totally change who Nick was as a person. Nick's whole personality and Nick's basic job on the podcast and the dynamic is to bring it back. Let's yeah. get back on topic. Let's get back to the segment. Let's move on to this new segment. Let's talk about restaurants. Let's talk about chains. And Mitch was trying to get him to not do that. Right. Now I will say, Mitch, Mitch kind of needled at Weiger for 10 minutes, like, you know, calling him out. And they sort of argued about that for a a little bit of time. And then Weiger just yelled for half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Weiger, see, I I think Mitch might have started the fight, but Weiger sure continued it and finished it. You know what I mean? Like, Well, there was that point where Nick goes, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, you don't sound fine. It's like, well, I'm not, but I'll just push it down and ignore it. And then Harvey was like, just let it go, let it go. And like Mitch <laughs> didn't let it go at that point, which said, Nick, Nick said, I'll just put it aside. Yeah. And, and only to his credit, I mean, I don't disagree with, no, no, let's talk about it. That's a good thing to do. But at the same time, it was pretty much aside. You could have moved on at that point. Maybe yeah. talk about it afterwards. But I mean, <laughs> we got no. to a good place anyway. So I mean, You have to air oh, your grievances live on air. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I need. This has been like simmering under, you know, underneath the surface of Doughboys for its entire run, and it just needed to come out finally on air. This was like Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, the podcast. It was everything I've ever wanted from a Doughboys episode. Did you guys? Um, I haven't listened to them in regularly in a long time, but uh, Nerdist, they basically had an episode just to air out a problem. Yeah, there was I didn't a, listen to it, but I remember hearing after like. I would like promise, I think, to be on uh, the show uh, at midnight, and like I think bailed at the last minute, uh, basically just flaked out, and <clears throat> it had been building. Like he had been like very like inconsistent about like, not showing up for things or canceling at the last minute, and so Hardwick was like, "Let's talk about this," but okay, we'll talk about it on the podcast since that's our whole thing. And they had like basically he just like not yelled at him, but saying, "I have a problem with you. This is my problem." 
And Jonah very like quietly sat there, took all the criticism, explained his perspective, his side of it, uh, and they had a nice little rapprochement between them. It was good, but it was a weird decision. Like, hey, let's do this on a podcast. Well, I wonder if they used that as a technique to ensure that they each maintained self-control, like yeah. knowing that mm. the conversation is going to be heard. Yeah. Like, I've had fights with people. I mean, the only reason I have fights with people is because I lose perspective. Yeah, you know? exactly. And knowing that you have an audience, knowing that there's somebody outside of the two of you keeping your reality grounded, I think is probably really helpful, uh, you know, to... to to make sure that the the rhetoric stays grounded. And I think Let's... it was like oddly it was good that Susser was there. Susser kind of kept them somewhat cool. It's um, almost like therapy. You need yeah. like the third person there to sort of make sure that no one's going to say anything really terrible. And I think yeah. Susser weirdly did a very good job yeah. of sort of yeah. like being a moderator during this cover while both yeah. provoking it, them and being a moderator. It, 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 he definitely it, provoked them. His show at a certain point, like he was kind of steering the conversation. It was like he was the host, and yeah. he was moderating this discussion between these two guys. So funny. Yeah. Very dynamic. <laughs> I, I will say, Weiger does go on tirades um, mm -hmm. on Usually the show. Usually prodding. Like, his big one here was over the french fries thing. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. And that was wholly <laughs> on Mitch ne uh, needling him, like, purposely right. needling him. And, and whenever he does that, whenever Mitch gets a reaction out of Nick, Mitch gleefully jumps on the fact that he got a reaction out of Nick. Like, look at you, you're getting so upset. Oh, it's just a little innocent comment. And I think, like, <laughs> at this point, Nick just had enough. Like, he was in a bad mood, and then mm. he needled him for it, and he just lost it a little bit there. Yeah, when, when Weiger lost it, I will say Mitch kept it in stride very well. Or took it in stride, you know. Like, when Weiger really started yelling, um, Mitch just sort of was like, yeah, uh, you know, I think Mitch kind of reacted the opposite direction, like like smiled through it and like yeah, just just had to roll with it, which mm -hmm. is kind of what you have to do. Like if someone starts yelling at you, yeah, just let them get it out. Yeah, and you know, accept that they have something they're dealing with that is, you know what I mean? Like especially if it's someone you like. I don't know. I've gotten yelled at by like people I'm work at work and not people I like know that well. And I'm just sort of like, all right, I'll, I'll wait this out, you know. If it's someone who you're close to or you have a relationship with, it's much harder to to do that because yeah. it's much more impactful, I think. Um, but it, I thought this was really interesting. I don't know if I could release something like this. Yeah, that was I'm, I'm I think because the way it ends, I think kind of saved the episode from being totally scrapped. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, if it had ended the show, I don't know what they would have done. <laughs> like, if they had not gotten, you know, essentially back together by the end. Like, if this had been the end, is this how you want to end your podcast? Right, yeah. it ends in a good place, so it's all okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm also glad they recorded the two episodes, the previous one and this one, out of order, so that they could <laughs> warn us. Preface yeah. it with... Yeah. 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 Although, I wonder if I would have noticed how much of a fight this was because they've had oh. little fights and spats before on the show this was like i think bad. i would have said I feel, yeah, like this took up a, a pretty decent chunk of the episode it did take up like 45 minutes didn't yeah. it? yeah i this would i think this would be noticeable if they didn't draw attention to it also like yeah. you, you would you would you would know this is a thing 
Yeah, they, I mean, they essentially said, this is it. We're not going to yeah. do any more then for a while there. It wasn't like they quickly got over that. Like, that was you know, a good chunk of the time there where they're like, yeah, this is it. No more. I mean, to be fair, they say that so on the regularly that I didn't believe it at any point either. I think, like, as it was, it was like, oh, why are Daddy and Daddy fighting? (laughs) I think if they hadn't warned us about it, I think my reaction would have been, like, gleeful. Like, holy shit, like, look at this crazy or look at this absurd, like, fight that Nick and Mitch are having. Ha ha ha, how how funny it is that these guys fight so much. You know? Like, uh, that's because that's how my reaction's been in the past when they fight. Like... Uh oh gosh, this is, this is absurd. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't the believe fights are fun. much quicker though. Like it's you know, Mitch will yell at him, Nick will yell at him, and then they get over it within you know a couple minutes. This one took a long time. That's why I think why Varen did the warning at the top or the previous week. Uh, it felt yeah, it felt a little different. Are you guys people who like listening to? Or let me let me rephrase this. Are you guys people who like to have debates? Yes. Like with your friends. I'm a terrible, I, I like, I'm a terrible person. I like <laughs> debates, like my friend, like a lot of would you rather type scenarios with my buddy. We do those a lot. We also have a great, great long conversation. Like normally we chit chat while we're watching TV or something like that. Yeah. This time eventually we like stopped, like I think we turned off the TV or muted and we're just going back and forth with the setup was if I found out th- blank about your partner, would you want me to tell you? And we're coming oh, with yeah. the blank. If I find out they're cheating on you, if I find out they're dealing drugs, <clears throat> if I find out they were international jewel thieves, <laughs> and like there was like the no, no, that's our business. It's nothing you should have any to. No, yeah, you absolutely need to tell me that you know they're they're a mass murderer or something like that. <laughs> right. Just kind of the ludicrous scenarios, realistic scenarios. It was a good like forty forty five minutes. It's just back and forth like this, throwing out whatever hilarious or ridiculous or terrible situation we could. Would you want me to tell you? That's great. Yeah, it was fun. What about you, Brandon? Uh, I have an insatiable need to always be right, and I love to argue <laughs> with people, so it's really a terrible combination for me. I will get into any argument that I am provoked into uh, getting into, and yeah. I, I have my side. I am stubborn as fuck, and I will not back down. So it's something I try not to do because I realize that it's an infuriating thing, and it's it's not something that people find likable uh <laughs> but it's it is yeah yeah yes i am the type of person who would get drawn into this so easily see i i am very much ahead. a conflict aversion person even if i hear yeah. people getting to like i have nothing to do with me i'm not there but i can hear them and they go and hey, let's put on some earbuds and turn up some music mm-hmm. ah, la, la, la. I don't like it at all I- I have, like, two sides of this. Like, I really like, like, the discourse about something I care about, you know? So, like, I've put a lot of effort into, like, crafting conversations in our podcast fan groups that are of value, where you can actually discuss, like, the merits of different things and upsides and downsides of different shows and different features of shows, you know? Um, We have uh, uh, the, the, the main group that we're in, the Nighttime Foam Corner, is, like, the podcast fan group and then now there's the nighttime opinion corner which is a spin-off group which is defined as somewhere that people can have opinions and you can't get mad at people for their opinion and i think it's the coolest place because people in there go in there with the understanding that like it's all for opinions and everyone's opinion is their own opinion and really we should all go into every debate with that like philosophy but because it's so out there on the in this group it the, the debates work really well because no one criticizes each other 
It's just like, well, this is what I think, and that's what you think, and I see this your point, and good job. Um, the flip side of that for me, I, I like that kind of of, of debate. Um, the flip side of it for me is like the, um, I don't know, I I went to uh, high school at like Jewish Orthodox Jewish high schools like yeshivas, and um, there's a heavy emphasis on Talmud there, which is very much like basically just transcripts of a bunch of rabbis arguing over different <clears throat> laws. Um, and what you get there is kids who spend four hours a day learning that sort of text and then start to act like that in their lives. Yeah. And I absolutely hated it. My friends or, <laughs> or people I knew in high school would get into little stupid, such frustrating debates about things that I did not want to argue about, like they would find points to argue on, and and that really bothered me. So well, kid, I mean, I think that's also sort of just like kids at that age are fair. sort of finding themselves and asserting themselves, and they tend to be very stubborn and very stupid, where they will just sort of latch on to like this first new interpretation, yeah. something that they have learned, and it becomes like this like rallying cry for them to like stick around. And no matter how wrong they might actually sort of think it is, it's more interesting for them to sort of like assert their own personality by saying like, no, I believe this thing, and then to just run with it. That's an interesting perspective. I remember taking in uh, university a philosophy course, the only philosophy course I ever took, it was a philosophy about modern issues. So he talked about things like the death penalty, abortion. Mm. So, you know, light, easy topics. <laughs> the problem I always yeah. had with the class was, he's like, you'd pr we'd present the topic and there'd be like a debate in the class about it. There'd be people who are for thing and the other people would be against that. And you just back and forth. And it was just like, not angry, never got uncivil or anything like that. But it was just people arguing back and forth. Then the end of the class, all right, that's it. Bye, go home. <laughs> like you're just ramping up. And, like, no one was changing their opinion on it. Like, no one was changing anyone else's opinion. You're just arguing your point. They would argue their point. You'd argue your point. You'd argue your point. And then you'd go home. All, everyone's just all frustrated and, you know, worked up. Like, it was just incredibly annoying every class. Go, there's no resolution. There's no uh, finality to this. It's just everyone got angry for an hour. That's it. So I yeah, that can't is stand that kind yeah. of, like, almost pointless debate. Like, no one's changing their opinion on this. We're not enacting anything. What's the point of this? Right, that's nothing. Like that's that's just that's just uh, that's just designed to provoke arguments with exactly. people. You're not yeah. learning how to argue. You're just learning that you can. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I never took another philosophy class again because of that. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. The thing I find interesting about philosophy, I had a good friend who was a philosophy major in college, while I was a computer engineering major. Um, he is now a programmer. I am not. Um, <laughs> but. He and I had similar classes we took, uh, which were the logic classes. Mm -hmm. um, and in philosophy and in programming, you, for one reason or another, need to learn symbolic logic and uh, uh, logical policies or, or um, techniques like uh, induction, proof by induction, and like logical yeah. proofs and stuff like sense. that. And that's what I thought was really cool and interesting about philosophy from what little I knew about it was that it, it did have this rigorous underpinning of like mathematics to it. I mean math and philosophy according to my philosophy friend have a lot in common it's just that the one is abstract in one way and the other one's abstract in a different way yeah. you know was that um, uh at the new year's eve party was that it was that uh, comedy theater that did show really cool theater sports show and they had a little party afterwards uh dancing and all that and it was at the bar uh to chat with some friends getting a drink and i heard uh, a guy kind of know uh just chatting with someone he just met and I don't know how it came up, 
It's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, yeah, it's like, it's like what do you do? Oh, I'm a student. What, what are you a student for? Uh, philosophy. Oh, I was a philosophy student. And so we're talking uh-huh. about that. Like, who, what philosophers do you like? And they're like, just throwing names back and forth. And like, you like so and so? Oh, my God. Like, you're really into it. I go, this is hilarious. Do a philosophy that is major. so funny. Or just having this great debate about, oh, you like so and so. Oh, what's that one about? Oh, it's more about this and this. And they, oh, they apply that kind of theory. Oh, that's cool. There's debating that back and forth. They go, oh, that's hilarious. Do philosophy majors found each other. <laughs> See, meanwhile, I'm a I'm a guy with a computer engineering degree, and I have a favorite algorithm. Um, it's, I have it's a very television cool. and radio degree, so I have a lot of favorite TV shows. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, my favorite algorithm, if anyone cares, is Benford's Law. Uh, it's very up. cool. You should look it up on Wikipedia. It's fascinating. Um, Benfold's Five. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, this episode of Doughboys also featured a message from Yusong. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. sweet. Which I loved. I really like Yusong. I follow him on Twitter, too. He's okay. really kind of interesting yeah. to follow on Twitter. Um, uh, hi, Yusong, if you're listening to this. <laughs> why, why would he? <laughs> I mean... Doughboys <laughs> um, Oh, you know what? Other news in, in um, the Doughboys fandom uh, or fan community was... Uh, at how intensive uh, Mitch is a Doughboys fan named Mitch uh, on Twitter uh, tagged me and Rob in a uh, Mary Spoon miss post. Oh, um, nice. And he put up a little tree and he had pictures of some prominent members of Spoon Nation, uh, <laughs> which might be an uh, over pompous way of putting it. Um, and uh, it was really sweet. So Mitch, if you're listening, thank you. That was the that was the nicest thing. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I sent I, I sent Mitch a uh, a Happy New Year. Uh, text to Mitch.pizza. Oh, that was oh, nice Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Mitch, uh, Mike Mitchell. This, this yes, time. Mike Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I really love like the the fan community for Doughboys. That's why we do this podcast, I guess, is because we are we hung out because we were talking about Doughboys. But I was talking, um, to, I was talking to my buddy last night about. It. He says, "Yeah, I need to get back into Doughboys." And I said, "Well, these eight episodes to jump on these is really good." And I said, "What's great about Doughboys?" is that the people that get on the show aren't there doing, like, promotional tours. They're there because they love yeah. Doughboys. Mm. They love the show. They're fans of the show. And it's talking about, like, Nangang, like, how she had mm-hmm. merch made up where she <laughs> had herself reworked into the logo. And which I have hung on my wall, by the way. Which you have. Nice. Like, people are fans of the podcast. So, like, one of the great things so about good. this is not, like, just a stop on the podcast tour when you got a movie or something like that. Uh, it's like legitimately like people like mo- they like it more than the host like the show. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's oh, definitely true. Fan. And like they're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, good Doughboys fan Twitter feeds to follow are how intensive um, and uh, Fran Solo is another good one. Oh, she's um, great. Uh, that's her display name. What is her at? Trophy Uncle. Yeah. At Trophy Uncle, she's really funny. Um, I think she's in the phone corner also, but she is really, really funny on Twitter. I don't know. If she, um, I, I, she must be because that's how I found her on Twitter, but I don't really see her active on there. On Twitter? Yeah, I don't think so. Colorado. Yeah, I don't see her post a lot in there either, but I think someone I think someone added her because they found her from, from Doughboy's Twitter. I, yeah, I'm. that's how I found her Twitter, and I'm glad I did. She's yeah. super funny. Um, super, super funny. Possibly the funniest like Doughboy's fan I've, I've found. She also had a tweet that went really funny tweet that went viral. Um, that was like uh, a dream. It was a screenshot of a of a uh, like a Facebook event that was like the White House goodbye party yes, for Barack yes. Obama. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. 
but written as if it were like a frat party. Super funny. Um, if you go to like her fave star or something, you probably find that. I don't know. Really funny tweet. Um, now that we've gotten about as meta as possible, talking yeah. about the Doughboys fandom on a Doughboys fan podcast. Let's dig deeper. Um, do you guys want to jump into the steak and shake portion of this uh, episode? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. It makes me like I've wanted to try steak and shake for so long. We obviously don't have them up here. Uh, my buddy, who whenever he goes to states, loves going to steak and shake. It's his favorite thing. But for the love of God, they make it sound so inconsistent. Like <laughs> I almost yeah. dread going. Like what the fuck am I going to get when I go there? Well, you just well, have I to go to an actual steak missed... and shake. Yeah. Well, like, how do you find one now? Like by the end, it sounds like you can't even name for sure. Like it may not say by Bill Gary. And it's still uh, like a half menu or whatever. Well, again, I would just like to say if you were to go to Pittsburgh, the two steak and shakes we have nearby there are both full service steak and shakes. But what has gone wrong with my life that I find myself <laughs> in Pittsburgh? <laughs> I, I will not when we do our when we do our faux boys meetup. That's where we're going, right? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that what we decided? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. I think we may have just missed the time for Steak and Shake. Mm. Yeah. Like, I think if we had done Steak and Shake two years ago, we would have been good. But And it may come back. But I think, as of now, I have no real desire to go to Steak and Shake. Um, they are good, though. It just blends into, like, this, this world of, like, second or third tier, like, fast casual burgers. Yeah. Steak and Shake, Shake Shack, um, Smash Burger... Have you guys had Smash Burger? I've never been to a Smash. I don't know if they have Smash Burgers near me, so they're not bad. But like all these burger places have the same fucking thing. Yeah, there is a thousand like, of these burger places where you get like nice, cool, gourmet-ish burgers it's too with much. cool sides, like weird toppings and cool. Plus, drinks they're too big. That. The burgers are too big. I'm, I'm saying it. I'm Steak and Shake down. isn't too big. Thousand of these places. Steak and Shake isn't too big. No. What do you get? Like a. Just like, like a, a standard patty, it's patty almost size it's almost like a like a McDonald's sized beef patty. It's All not right, cool. Crazy. Maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll because because yeah. uh, Shake Shack and uh, Smash have, Burger are both way too way too thick patties. I don't like Shake Shack. Opinion. I just I've I've tried it so many times and every time I walk away disappointed. Yeah. It's just it's just I just don't I just don't get it. I think it's overpriced and it I I don't think the fries are that good. No. I agree with you there. Although the only Shake Shack I've had was the one in the National Stadium, and stadium food is always, I feel, a little different. Oh yeah, yeah so that's like airport fair. food. Yeah, yeah. So I can't really say like I have a strong opinion about it, but if I'm but somewhere in the States had, and it's fine. there, I'll probably try it. Same with mm. like a Steak and Shake, Shake Shack. I'll try any of those just because I know of them. So if I yeah. oh, I can, I might as well try it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. I do like to try a restaurant I haven't tried before, especially once I've heard about it on this show. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. If I can hit any of the Doughboys restaurants, it's, it's a good Yeah, for sure. Mm. If I ever go drive past, like, a Caro's or something, I'll just have oh, to. God. Really? Oh, God. Caro's? You hate yourself that much? Oh, I haven't been to Caro's, but I, I would be just either, out of but... curiosity, I think. I would. Is it, isn't it still get their worst rating? I think that's still yeah. rated. Uh, yeah. I don't think anything's been worse than Caro's. I think um, Chuck E. Cheese was close. Oh, that's true. That's I forgot about Chuck. God, how can I forget? That episode Chuck was Cheese. rough. That yeah. Chuck E. Cheese episode. Um, it was weird to me that they said they serve the food in styrofoam containers too. Like, yeah, for a place that's trying to be, yeah, kind of fancy. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's 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 definitely. I, I don't like know. A that's, yeah, that's definitely like exclusive to like the the, the weird ass. 
what is it called? Express or something? Yeah, but what are the, what are they branding yeah. as? Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. The, the big lorry ones are just they're 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 abysmal. Apparently, is all I can say. I have never been to one, but they sound like a fucking train wreck. So yeah, it just just. If if that is your if that is your idea of what steak and shake is, I understand why you would not like it. Try and find an actual one. It's also a weird choice by that guy to put his name on the. Yeah, what an surprise. egomaniac! Like I don't know if his brand has recognition or if he's trying to build up a brand, maybe I think to be well, like yeah. a mogul uh, or a magnate or something. Yeah. I assume he's trying to build it up because I had never heard of this guy before. Honest to God, the first time I thought, whenever they were talking about him, I just kept hearing like Big Lori, like there was a yeah. large woman named Lori, and this was like her, like her <laughs> shtick that she was branding yeah. it as. So I, I, I have never heard of this guy before. That's funny. Again, maybe it's more of like a West Coast thing. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it must be. I don't know. Um, how did you guys like it when they called the Steak and Shake office? Oh, I personally. So uncomfortable. I hated it too. So uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> I I hate like conversations with people who are not in on a joke or something uh-huh. like that. Like it's not it's not quite mean spirited, but it's horrendously uncomfortable to listen it's to. It's weird and tense. I find yeah. it difficult to listen to stuff like that. It's why I like the show and did listen to Aaron's episode, but Beautiful Anonymous for me was it's I, I find it very difficult to listen to it because uh-huh. the person's not like I agree. a professional like comedian or interviewee like this is not their job like actors and musicians and all that are used to being interviewed and they got the flow and they're not awkward like some of them are just so awkward to listen to that's true and you get like a person who's not like you know professional to any degree it's, yeah. like, so uncomfortable from listening to like i couldn't finish some episodes i haven't listened that's to any episode other than mine i gotta be honest <laughs> I but like even that's like different to me. Like this is clearly just some woman who had no idea what the fuck was going on. No, like when these yeah. brandos call her up and start like demanding bizarre things of her, like to talk to Big Lori. Yeah, and it's just like I that's just like I feel bad for this poor woman who's just like doing her job and all of a sudden like these fuck ups call her out of nowhere and start yeah. like putting her on the spot. Like it's not like like I said I don't think it's like cruel, but it's definitely like an uncomfortable situation that I would not want to be participating in. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you there. I there um, there were times during that conversation where I just sort of like skipped ahead fifteen seconds on my phone and was just like okay like maybe we're at a better place now but we were never in a better too. place. No, no, I didn't same. skip through it, but I I wanted to. I, I really it. didn't like it. I honest to god, I just skimmed it. It was just too much for me. I mean, I knew I was gonna have to buckle down and listen to this episode as much as I hated it. Like, yeah. honestly, this episode, the this part made me more uncomfortable than the fighting did. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. And I was really worried that I would I would really hate the fighting. I was worried I would have to take breaks and stuff, uh-huh. um, like that it would make me too wound up. But uh, it, it wasn't as bad as I was afraid it would be. Yeah. Um, this though I could have done without. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, that it's just awkward to me. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable. All right. Do you you guys want to rate? I guess we don't have steak and shake ratings. Um, do uh, did, did they did they do a snack or whack? Or a, a segment on this episode? I feel like they did. I thought they didn't. They did. Didn't, I didn't, uh, I remember. Um, I didn't write it down. They did a question. Didn't they do a question? I don't I know if they did a snack or whack. Well, I'm they really falling down on my game. Page. Let me look what? up podcast page. Give me a second. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. This is going to be really fascinating listening for our listeners. Oh. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah. I mean, I think by the end of this episode, I was just so out of energy. That like, I whatever else they talked about, I was like the meat of this episode. Like the part I was afraid of is like over and done with. Yeah, it was emotionally um, draining. At that it. point, it was just all what. 
uh, a Rogue One edition of Dinner and a Movie. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a good segment. <laughs> I like Dinner and a Movie. It, it's a fun discussion. It's not one of the better best segments, but it's, it's fun. I like the concept. I, I yeah. appreciate the concept as someone who makes themed drinks for movies. I yes, appreciate so the idea of like planning an entire meal around something like this, although to be fair... Um, this is me being an anal retentive person as I am, but I feel like there's probably a line when you're doing this that you should go like either you should go full on crazy where you could have like bantha rump roast or you should be more like, okay, this is like an actual food that we could <laughs> serve during this. And I know that's a, that's such a dumbass thing for me to say, but my no, God, it's fair though. Yeah. Cause the, the meal they chose was bizarre. I think Well, it was, it was like a little part, like authentic, I thought. And then mostly made up, right. Cause they were talking about like the blue milk and like the bath yeah. roast, but then yeah. what was like the, the force there was like one thing that was real. I can't fucking remember what it is. I, I don't know. It, it's going to bug me, but it, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Though. yeah there was like was, one thing was that a, was actual food. Well, at least Weiger was, uh, improving. That is certainly true. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the so, lessons to heart. So everything was fine at the end of the day. Yeah. It all um, worked out in the end. Yeah. Snack or whack or whack? Would you guys give that segment a snack or whack or a whack? The segment itself is a snack. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I would agree. Yeah, it was fine. It was it's kind of like when you get someone or a movie that lends itself to it. I mean, it can be like if it was like Howard's End, you'd be like, the fuck <laughs> do we do with this? But something like <laughs> Star Wars, you can have a lot of fun. Cause you do things like the blue milk and all that. You can do a lot of puns. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just anything that's in the pop culture. You just have to stick with something that people are like actually familiar with. Exactly. Well, I've seen a lot of like theme meals um, on like Reddit, on like the food Reddits, mm-hmm. um, where people will do like a Game of Thrones meal and then they'll do like yeah. a lot of like stews with dried fruit in it or like just weird <laughs> shit that like kind of seems Game of Thronesy. Yeah. Um, I like doing that like for like foods that have been mentioned for like in the season show. finale or season series finales for shows like big pop yeah. shows. Mm-hmm. Like the email, like I did that for Lost. I had print found a website that had Dharma Initiative style labels for like <laughs> everything you could think nice. of. So I That's relabeled neat. all these different snacks. Like I got chocolate bars with Apollo uh, labels, pop bells with Dharma Initiative stuff. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Friends made like the fish Dharma fish cookies. Uh, ordered some Hawaiian pizzas. Uh, tons of fun stuff like that. So I love doing stuff like that. Nice. That's awesome. See, that is fun. Yeah. When you can do an actual themed, like, when you can do it right. When you can actually do it, it like, for real. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'd give this segment a snacker whack. It was a fine segment in an otherwise kind of weird and stressful episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> how about the episode? Do you guys want to want to rate the episode here? Um, Ooh. Wait, yeah, what's our, is it hashtags? Is our rating system? It's bad hashtags. Bad hashtags. Yeah, so you do your your final wrap up and opinions, and then your your score out of five bad hashtags. Brandon, you go ahead first. All right. So, in terms of the actual restaurant being evaluated, I feel like there was not much said about steak and shake that we have not already addressed before. It I, this entire episode, in a weird way, is sort of awkward fan service in the sense that if you were just listening to an episode of Doughboys, this would just be two people yelling at each other and then like a brief discussion about like Steak and Shake Part 2. So while I think it was a really fascinating and at times horrifying episode to listen to, it's not necessarily a great example of the show, which is why I think I would probably go with three and a half bad hashtags because it was interesting to listen to, certainly, but it's not a good example of what Doughboys actually is. No, that's fair. For me, uh, again, I found out 
I mean, I understand bringing Evan Susser back. I mean, Evan Susser is practically a co-host. I'm sure Mitch and Nick would be horrified that I said that. But, <laughs> I mean, he's a regular feature on the show. It's fun to bring him back. I like that he has his specific restaurant that they will revisit. The fact that they can revisit and have totally different opinions each time, for me, kind of makes sense Like you bring it back because there's so many different weird variations of this restaurant, the Glarian on full menu, half menus. I get it. I don't think there was a lot of meat on the bone in mm. terms of the restaurant this time. I agree. Um, and then when you get to the actual argument, I agree. It's not a good indicator of uh, the podcast. I would never recommend this episode to anyone. It's like, hey, should I listen to Doughboys? Sure. Like, listen to it absolutely last. Like, do not yeah. listen to this within your first, like, 30 episodes, 50 episodes. Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, I found the arguments very difficult to listen to. I was angry at both of them at different times. <laughs> uh, I was, I could feel the frustration on both their parts. Uh, back in my head, I knew it wasn't the end of the show, but I did feel like it was the end of the show at a certain point. Uh, I would say, again, not a good indicator. Okay, discussion. Not a great discussion of an okay chain that they've done a lot before. Uh, Susser was good. I always enjoy Susser. Um, I would probably give it two and a half bad hashtags. I didn't like this episode. Wow. <laughs> it was really hard to listen to. It was not particularly compelling. Um, I would say as like a Doughboys fan, I had to listen to it. Yeah. Um, as a sort of a completist or whatever you want to say, like I care about Nick and Mitch and their relationship. I care about the podcast. I want them to figure their shit out. I find the evolution of their relationship really interesting. Yeah. Um, especially as you go back and listen to episodes like Wonderful. Paul Rust Wendy's episode, which mm -hmm. is now more than halfway. Like Paul Rust Wendy's episode is in the first half of the history of the podcast oh. at this point. Um, the things we've and seen. <laughs> going even further back, like the evolution of some of the some of the show's bits and its dynamic, and and the way that that progress has, I would say, slowed uh in in recent episodes because they've found their groove and they've figured out what they do and you know they do mix it up with um you know events like yeah. the next episode mm -hmm. we're going to talk about or um you know they mentioned in this in this episode munch madness the doe olympics and rock lobster fest were all this year which is a yeah. pretty good chunk of uh of like the special episodes munch mm -hmm. madness was i think six weeks long uh rock Lobster Fest is four weeks long, and then the Olympics was three weeks long. So we're looking at a total of 13 of this year's, I don't know, 49 Doughboys episodes were special, like specials. Yeah. Um, and I think that's good, and I think that's a good ratio. I really like the events. I like the traditional episodes. I think they're all good. Um, but I, I think their dynamic – I think they they reached a breaking point, and uh, I hope that what they covered in their fight will – prompt growth for the show um, and greater ease in their relationship as they aired out some of those things. Um, I hope the holiday break helps them have a better relationship <laughs> and helps the show feel like it's rejuvenated a little bit. Um, but the episode itself, while an essential part of the Doughboys complete box set uh, wasn't fun to listen to or very good or very compelling in any way. It wasn't fun to listen to. The food discourse wasn't there. Um, no new ground was broken in the, in terms of restaurants. Um, I, you know, uh, it, it wasn't, wasn't particularly compelling. So I, I would give this episode two 
uh, bad hashtags. It wasn't painful to listen to, but it wasn't good either. And well, it never, was a little painful to listen to. I would but. never re-listen to this episode. It, yeah, it is yeah. something that I would probably not revisit. Yeah. Um, so that was our conversation on uh, Doughboys82, uh, uh, Steak and Shake 3 with Evan Susser. Uh, we thought that would be the only episode we'd have to talk about or get to talk about this week <laughs> on our show, Faux Boys, <laughs> that we love doing. Um, but there was a sudden surprise episode that they dropped. Mm-hmm. This being... Rogue Boys, uh, Rogue One with Drew McQueenie, the special coverage of Rogue One, the new Star Wars movie. And uh, have you guys both seen the movie? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, so there's going to be spoilers ahead um, for anyone who hasn't seen Rogue One. Darth Vader's in it. <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, Dumbledore dies. Um, uh, what do you guys think about Rogue One? Uh, Rogue Boys, Rogue One with Drew McQueenie. What did you guys think? I liked it. I'm glad they did it. I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah. the whole Star Wars thing is a big part of Doughboys. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> so weirdly How big bizarre, part. yes. Oddly. I mean, it's <laughs> such a big part. Almost as much it's... as chain restaurants. It almost, yeah. Uh, I'm glad they did it. I also was very glad that Mitch and Nick both liked it, especially Mitch. But, I mean, I saw the preamble on Foam Corner. Is yeah. There, I can get into a big tangent about this. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Uh, about people like, oh, is Mitch just going to complain about it? I don't want to listen to it if he's been just yeah, complaining about you. it. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about Star Wars, especially Force Awakens, that if you don't like it, even critically, like just saying, oh, I didn't like this part of it, people lose their minds. Okay, here's you. my thing, right? I think that there are certain there are certainly issues with The Force Awakens that can be brought up. I think most of Mitch's criticisms are completely ridiculous. They're not good criticisms. There, You can have problems as in it's almost a remix of A New Hope. You can have problems as, as in, you know, like the Starkiller base is ridiculous. But like one of his problems was something like there aren't enough aliens in it. Yeah. yeah, which is like that's my issue. Like I could, I'm all for hearing someone talk critically about a movie, but like think it through. That's all. I, I think Mitch's criticisms are a little vague and definitely um, uh, personal opinion type stuff. Yeah. Like Mitch isn't saying this movie wasn't well made. Mitch is saying this movie isn't a good example of a Star Wars movie because of these. I don't want to say vague, but but like nebulous, or... tone based. Yeah. You know, or like, uh, just feeling based things. You know, yes, and that's, that's valid. That's like, why he I can don't say it just didn't feel like a Star Wars movie. Yeah, but the fact that it's he's so vehement about it is a little difficult. I think Mitch um, likes to dig in his heels when he doesn't like something, especially when he knows other people like it. Like you can yeah. talk about Harry Potter, he just seems to love shitting on Harry Potter. Bill Nye, <laughs> you know the Bill <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Neil deGrasse Tyson thing makes me laugh. Yeah, I fucking hate Neil deGrasse Tyson. Fuck that guy. He's so easy to make fun of. Oh, God. Fucking nerd. Yeah, he is a real nerd, isn't he? He is, just insufferably so. Well, it's also difficult, like, I kind of liked Neil deGrasse Tyson at one point, um, before Twitter, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Both before Twitter ruined Neil deGrasse Tyson for (laughs) me, and before Neil deGrasse Tyson ruined himself by tweeting shitty... (laughs) tweets um but i always used to say like ah yes neil degrasse tyson along with the greats bill nye and carl sagan (laughs) and if you go back and watch carl sagan's shit like carl sagan's on another level just with his like presence like just his like childlike wonder and poetic you know phrasing and whereas i would say i would say neil degrasse tyson is more of a a stand-up comedian who likes science 
you know, not a particularly like good if, stand-up comedian. But he does. He is engaging. You know? He is. I mean, it's just I don't know. Like the, I, he's I, more I, engaging than Bill Nye. You no. know, I would say in an unscripted setting. That's right. Like, Bill Nye's maybe that's show why I prefer Bill Nye, frankly, because Bill Nye doesn't like start tweeting random ass crap on Twitter like this. But it like at the end of the day, I can't get too mad at someone who is so aggressively pro science because like I I respect that. I'm glad that you're you know espousing yeah, this opinion. That. But at the end of the day, it's like this is why like people find like intelligent people insufferable because well, I also like think. Go ahead. I was just because it's like you're the one who was just sitting like anytime someone says something like, well, actually, it's not really like that yeah, at all. It's like, it's actually like actually Christmas isn't about the birth of Jesus. It's about like, you know, it's about a, a pagan solstice religion. It's just like, I know, like, you don't have to be like that guy yeah. to constantly prove. There is, how, like, I can't remember who it was. There's a comedian on Twitter, New Year's Eve. Everyone's like posting Happy New Year's, blah, blah, blah. And someone said, like, in quotes, Neil deGrasse Tyson, actually, the Gregorian calendar is not a good indicator yeah. of being very technical about it. And then like an hour later. That same person quotes Neil deGrasse Tyson saying essentially the same thing, and with the with the addition of called it. <laughs> and I saw this too, and I cannot it. remember who it was. I don't either, but I remember seeing it also. Wonder if it's in my likes. Um, I don't even think I liked it. Nope, it's not. Um, am I sure? Yeah, I don't know. I, I found like in the pantheon of like annoying atheists, and this is coming from me, someone who's. Practically an atheist, I guess, mm-hmm. for lack of a more applicable label. <laughs> lack of um, an atheist, I guess. <laughs> well, it's just so shitty now because atheist. Oh, it has they, a bad like it's become this whole thing with like Reddit assholes and like Ricky Gervais, Ricky Gervais, and like that whole like smug like you condescending. know condescending, yeah. condescending like oh you you children who still believe in your imaginary man in the sky how how. How how adorable! Like yeah. I, I I don't know that kind of negativity. As somebody who grew up in a very religious environment and has like a lot of respect for people who are religious, and I would say even respect for like the institution of religion itself, it's really frustrating to see that kind of like shitty behavior out of like 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 if atheists are are so like oh religion causes wars and all that stuff like great like be nice how about that yeah like how about you like espouse the the virtues you're trying to criticize religion for not having um or embody the religion embody the morals that you're trying to espouse <clears throat> i guess would be the better way to say that um it wasn't a particularly way a good way of saying it but but you get what i'm saying um yeah that that atheists are annoying and they should all shut up that's uh, right if if they're going to be like that um but back oh. to rogue one oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um uh I thought this episode was like had really good flow. Yeah, no, I did too. Good it was guess. a nice palate cleanser after yes. like it was the a good disaster guess. of the previous Good attitudes episode. from everyone. Everyone seemed to have yeah. fun. They seemed to enjoy the discussion. Yeah, were you guys familiar with Drew McQueenie before? Yes. One of you said yes. One of you I said, said no. yes. Okay. What vaguely, did you? What do you know him from? Vaguely, is like a Twitter thing. I think that's about okay. the extent of it. Gotcha. See, I have no context for. I mean, I'm not. I don't really follow film or film criticism or anything yeah. like that. So, it makes sense that I have no idea who this guy is. Yeah. Um. But I thought he was really good on the yeah. show. Yeah, he he fit well. Did you get a feeling for if they know each other, like uh... from outside the podcast? I did not think they did. I think they sort of connected. They maybe they're Twitter friends or something. That was my assumption. Yeah, makes sense. Because Weiger is pretty pretty popular on Twitter. Yeah. In like a in like uh, a theater 
outside of where a lot of other comedians like com- there's comedian Twitter and then there's like joke Twitter and yeah. they're very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Nick Weiger kind of straddles both. Yeah, both he does. That. Like Nick Weiger has joke tweets that I knew that like stuck in my mind before I knew who Nick Weiger was and before I knew who Doughboys was. Uh-huh. It was just there's one particular Weiger tweet which is just like. Uh, it's Tim the Tool Man Taylor, but then he switches the first consonant. Kim the Cool Man Taylor, <laughs> Grill the Gruel Man. Like it just just does like five of those, and for whatever reason, it stuck in my head like so so strongly. And then later, I was like, God, remember that tweet? And I went to find it, and I was like, Holy shit, that's Nick Weiger's tweet. Um, whereas I think Mitch like is like just friends with comedians on Twitter, you know. Um, Speaking of Nick Weiger, his current uh, picture on. Uh, Twitter is hilarious and adorable. His cow- uh, his cowboy profile hat. picture got a cowboy hat and there's a sign behind him that says best friend and there's a horse. It's pretty cool. Oh, oh my gosh, this is new. This yeah, is the I funniest thing that. ever. <laughs> I like his old picture. I do too. But this new one is fine. <laughs> I guess. I mean, whatever. You it's know, cute. I thought the old picture was really funny. I like this one's cuter. Uh, but the old picture was like very. It was like a picture of a Polaroid, and mm-hmm. he had this like. Yeah. He had a, he had a funny expression on his face. Yeah. Uh, it was very. It was faded, and it was very like Instagram cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I like I like Nick's Twitter feed. It's yeah, a good Twitter one of my favorite. If I always yeah. there's certain people that I think that if I was forced at gunpoint to cut down my Twitter followers to like five, who would be my five and like Tigress yeah, Dash sure. and like one of them. Yeah. Hundred percent. My Mount. Oh, I challenged my friend yesterday. I said, "What's your Mount Podmore? What's your four podcast Ooh. episodes? 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 Yeah, specific episodes." <sighs> Holy shit! I had four, but got two of them were Bang Bang. So we kind of want to limit it to Bang Bang, just a little variety. Uh, off to my head, it was uh, Polar Ice Caps from Bang Bang, which does the butter freestyle rap. Mm-hmm. Nick, uh, yeah. Uh, Neil Campbell, uh, the, the Late Departed, Alan Thick, and Scott. Uh, right. Uh, the Exorcism of Cake Boss. Uh, <laughs> Fair. That's really, great. Uh, like that opener when they're like Scott gives the catchphrase and attributes it to typo photo, typo photo, and Cake Boss jumps in. Oh, he's the universal photo donor. <laughs> he can give a photo to anyone. Oh, I just lost my mind at that. Right there. Uh, um, I love it. I think I gave it Rusty's uh, Wendy's episode on Doughboys. Was my Doughboys app? Yeah. And um, the travel bug with August Lent. Mm. It's up there for sure. What about you, Brandon? Christ, What's your Mount Podmore. Fuck, I couldn't even think. Of, like, I, God, this, this is this would require so much more time than we have right now to think about all of this. <laughs> this, this, this. I have. I think I've got a. I've got close to a list. If you want some more sure. time to think. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I would say uh, Wendy's app for sure. Um, I would say uh, stained glass with Todd Glass. Yes. Uh, episode of you talking you two to me. That was on my friends list. Um. I would say the episode of Comedy Bang Bang with um, Michael Abelson, that, that yeah. fan episode. It was all on his, too. That's uh, a great one. was a phenomenal episode of Comedy Bang Bang, Absolutely. possibly my favorite. And then, what else do I like? Um, ah, it would be the Adventure Zone episode, um, where uh, <clears throat> I think it's there's a couple of contenders for the Adventure Zone. Um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I can really put them on on Mount Podmore because they are there's it, it builds up over time and there's 
instances of that show, like moments in that show yeah. that are like so emotionally affecting and like cool story moments. But I don't know if there's a true episode that's like um, sticks out for you. Sticks <laughs> out for me. Yeah, I would okay. say probably though uh, episode 48 of the Adventure Zone. I'm looking at it now, um, which is the penultimate uh, episode in their 11th hour uh, uh, adventure. Um, where each of the three characters goes on like a flashback of a moment in their nice. life they wish they could change. That's nice. Um, and uh, and then they sort of all come together at the end of the episode and have a scene together um, and sort of make a good moral choice. And it's really impactful on a story level. It's it's a very good episode. So I think just to have the adventure represented, I gotta call that yeah, call it that one. That's a good way to do it. I think that's a good um, example for that. Yeah, if I were so to that, add, a, my Mount if I were to add a plaque to the base of Mount Podmore, <laughs> it would be for purely selfish reasons. Um, episode five of season two of the worst idea of all time. Uh, for I mean, the whole show. I love the show. I'm a big fan yeah. of them. I've met and hung out with both of them multiple occasions, which is weird since they live in New Zealand. Those so people yeah. do that. Um, <laughs> but episode five of season two, James A. Caster, uh, who's a phenomenal guest. Uh, they're doing the, okay, so uh, do you have anything to plug segment? And they're all in town in Melbourne for the comedy festival, so they're plugging their individual shows. And I think Acash says, it's, I'm sure that anyone who's listening to this, who's in Melbourne, knows about your shows, so it's weird that you have to kind of plug them. <laughs> and, th- and they bring up, yeah, we, we've actually met some, and we hung up with them. We hung up with Brian last night. We were on the lash with Brian, as I said, and had a lot of friends. <laughs> And they're talking about me. I said, yeah, Brian's a great guy. Like, he listened to the whole podcast, all of season one, in like a matter of a couple weeks. And the guy was like, that's not healthy, Brian. You shouldn't do that. So I listened to this <laughs> in my hotel room in Melbourne, losing my mind. I go, oh, that's my God. Amazing. They just mentioned me. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's the best. Yeah, one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> I love their their accent is so fun to do and so hard not to do yeah. to them when you're talking to them. Absolutely, because <laughs> uh, I interviewed them on the podcast preview. It was, all, it was my second episode, I think, very early. Um, I think they were my first interview. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a that New Zealand accent is contagious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really difficult not to do. I would say, uh, looking at my list of podcasts that I listen to. Um, Another really special episode to me, I would say, and I can't really put it on my pod more because Plaque the podcast the itself isn't that big for me. But I would say the the um, the Tom Sharpling episode of Hollywood Handbook where Sean is on the phone um, and just sort of wandering around in the world uh, is just so good. Um, so I definitely. Uh, I would say that is like a transcendent episode of that show, which is itself a very good podcast, but it doesn't have quite the emotional like value to me as the other shows do um, or the other episodes I picked. All right, Brendan. I've had yeah. a lot of time. What I've got here? Complete list with an additional plaque episode as well. Fucker <laughs> plaques. Okay, so <laughs> this is this is something I reserve the right to change whenever I feel like it. No, wrong boys rules. In here. This... Whatever you say is canon until you change it later and canonize that. All right. So, all right. So, Wendy's first of all, episode yeah. one. Uh, two would be the first time Bobby episode of Comedy oh, Bang Bang. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, three would be there is a live episode of Comedy Bang Bang that I really enjoy for some reason with BJ Novak and Cake Boss in New York. I think it was 2011 or 2012. I don't remember which, but it's always on my phone and I have never deleted it because it's still it's just something that's consistently hilarious to me, even after all the times I've uh, heard it. Uh, Fourth, 
I think fourth would be the um, the Punisher Warzone episode of How Did This Get Made with Patton Oswalt and Lexi Alexander because it's not necessarily the funniest episode, but it's incredibly illuminating in terms of like you know how this movie came to be and also helps the punisher warzone is a fantastic movie it's it's a bonkers bizarre movie but it's not a movie you watch when you want to watch something that's terrible like it's 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 a really crazy ass action movie and i love it uh as for the plaque at the bottom uh god i didn't even think of that because i was trying to think of fucking episodes while you guys are coming with your damn plaques um (laughs) I don't know, man. We'll have to get, let, let me think about that one for a while. We'll, okay. I'll, I'll amend that plaque. Oh, I'm sorry, Edwards. We can't all have talked about this with our friends prior to coming on the hey, show. I had the plaque at the last second. Oh, boo fuckity who. <laughs> I have a moment. Uh, Brian, did you like Rogue One? I did. I liked it a lot. I found the yeah. first hour a little slow. I kind yeah. of zoned out a little bit when they were rescuing, quote unquote, the dad, her dad. Uh, yeah. It just it, it felt like I was like oh okay it wasn't bad I was just like oh let's get to it but then like that last hour or so when they're on the planet with the base and all that with the shield and the beaches and stuff what a fucking great location uh, for a Star Wars setting is to have like a beach oh setting. I loved that mm-hmm. that tropical oh, yeah. setting great choice great great choice. really cool that whole last like hour or so was just it was fantastic it was oh great. the space battle was terrific just yeah. it, it was it was like a, it was something that I wanted to see for such a long time and because the Force Awakens had like a very brief space battle, if you could even call it that, because yep. it was mostly atmospheric. Um, this this was something I've been wanting for a long time. The last shot of Darth Vader on Tanti- on uh you know the 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 cruiser going to Tantive yeah. Four, where he's like just throws the guy up against the ceiling. It was just that, like that, like Darth yeah. Vader as a monster is something that the movies have been lacking for a while because Absolutely. You know, it's perfectly yeah. valid to have Darth Vader also be a tragic character, but you can't also forget that like he is nonetheless like a monster who did horrible things. And this went a long way toward putting that back in people's minds. Exactly. It was, was a terrific. nice, it was a nice bridge between episode three and episode four for Darth Vader. Yeah. Yes. Forget like, Oh yeah. He's a bad guy for yeah. a reason. I did find him to be physically awkward. How so? Oh, I didn't. I, I, I don't know. And I think I think one of the Doughboys mentioned this as well. The, I think the actor playing him or something about the suit, like, I, at more than one instance of seeing Darth Vader on screen, I would go, oh, his helmet fits weird. Or, like, when he did the... Um, the don't choke on your ambition pun. Yeah. <laughs> which, like, again, like... I loved everything they did with Darth Vader in this movie in theory. Uh-huh. Um, like, I appreciate having him be a flamboyant a little bit, like sort of an over-the-top character, because he is, you know. Mm-hmm. I was fine with him being vicious. I would liked seeing his, like, lair that he has, oh, yes. you know. But I, I just don't think the execution was quite right on him. Like, I think the 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 gestures and the just the physical presence of the of whoever was wearing the suit was awkward and i think the delivery of his lines or maybe they were weirdly written or something was just a little off to me so there's Um, two sort of things that i'm wondering about for the costume um one is the fact that they based the costume and this is like one of those anal retentive nerd things but his costume changes slightly over each of the three movies like there are subtle cosmetic differences from, you know, A New Hope to Empire to Jedi. And they made an explicit point of making this look like the A New Hope Darth Vader costume. And the A New Hope Darth Vader costume is like, 
it does not read well in high definition because yeah. it is presumably yeah. the cheap, low-budget costume that it was at the time. Like, yeah. it doesn't okay. look great. And so part of me is wondering if they were just really going full, like, full forward into this idea of making Darth Vader's costume, like, look oh, not good. Yes. And the other thing that I found that just sort of reminded me of is when so when Darth Vader appears at the end of Revenge of the Sith, it's Hayden Christensen in the costume, but he's also on like lifts and he's they're doing a lot of things to make him look taller and to make him move awkwardly in the sense that like to give the impression that like this is awkward for him. He's uncomfortable. This is not like a good thing. So I'm wondering if also there was some sort of slight physicality to make it be like this guy is like constantly in pain and like right. not able to really like move fluidly. But I even thought the Hayden Christensen Darth Vader suit looked I mean it was he looked stiff. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to look stiff. Mm-hmm. You know, he he screamed no melodramatically. It was a silly scene. I don't remember that. Uh, <laughs> you don't remember that? I assume that? you're joking. <laughs> I assume he's making a hilarious joke. Oh, one of the worst moments of the entire franchise. Yeah, really awful. Uh but I did not find the physicality of the suit to be jarring. Um, and I would say, too, like, there were a couple moments in this movie that visually took me out of it. Mm. Uh, every time Darth Vader appeared on on screen, I, I liked seeing him in the Bacta tank. I thought that was a really great yeah. glimpse. Mm-hmm. Um, but every every <laughs> instance of him in the suit, except I was also okay with him storming through the rebel ship at the end. Um, I thought he looked normal there. I did not like every other instance of Darth Vader. Um it visually took me out of it. I'll also say people have been talking a lot about the Peter Cushing uh-huh. uh, CGI actor. Um, now, I did not know that Peter Cushing was dead. Interesting. Um, I'm not. You know, I'm just not up though? on this stuff. So, did you I, assume that they had they were doing like work on him in post to make him look younger? I I thought I either thought that or I don't know or he's or I thought maybe this judge just looks very old and his makeup doesn't look right uh-huh. because if he was in the Star Wars in the 70s like he would be very old now. Uh-huh. Um but I mean cuz cuz uh uh consider the guy who played Count Dooku, what's his name again? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee was like 90 when that movie came out. No, he was very old, yeah. And Dooku is supposed to be a 70-year-old character, like but 90 and 70 are is a big difference, yes. you know. Um, so it would be totally valid for uh, – consider a world where Peter Cushing was in his early 60s when the first Star Wars came out, mm-hmm. you know, and he's in his mid-90s and really old now, <clears throat> you know. But uh, anyway, the, the point being, I, I had no reason to be visually thrown out of that. I did not have the jarring of like, but wait, he's dead, like a lot of people had. Uh, but sure enough, uh, if I found it visually jarring, which I think lends some credence to the people who criticize that graphic of resurrected Peter Cushing. Um, I even found uh, the the Princess Leia, the young Carrie Fisher model, to be much more, um, much more, uh, it worked much better. I, I think, wonder than, how much of that Peter was Cushing. just because you only saw her for like four seconds. She yeah. did look a little cartoon. She, like, she, she looked... It um, did. She looked photoshopped. I, in. I just, for me, I had a big discussion with this with some other nerds on Facebook uh, yeah. about the choice. When I first saw, well, I think when you first see Peter Cushing's character, uh, Grandma Tarkin, um, he's like reflected in glass. Right. And I go, oh, that's a good way to do it. They should just do that. Keep him in shadow, show him through glass, just show him in the shadows. You can do a lot with that. And you, uh-huh. everyone will understand why you're not fully shown because the actor is dead. You want to have the character there. Perfect way to do it. And then you see him 
full on, fully lit, and go, oh, no, no, wrong choice. This is not what you should be doing. My idea is better. Same thing, when you get to the very end, the door is open, you see a Carrie Fisher from behind, and go, this is the way you do it. I mean, don't show her fully, you just hand her the plans, she says something, maybe her head turns slightly, you get a line, right. end of the movie. But no, you shoulder her fully. No, you just ruined it. And this is the last yeah. moment of the movie. You ruined I, mean, I think it. they could have given us, like, Princess Leia hood up yes. in profile, yeah. and you only have to animate, you know, we a quarter inch of face. We Carrie Fisher was older at the time. Uh, we don't need to see a full. We all know, we all understand instinctively why you're not showing the same actor looking the exact same thing. Just play into it. It's fine. Show her half profile. Show her in the shadow. Or find a look line. You don't have to, like, to me, and I, there's that whole insidious aspect to this. Like, it's almost like a threat to actors now saying, yeah, we don't need I can't to. get too mad about that, I, but I, I understand they've it. They've also said that this was, like, an incredibly complicated and expensive process. Like, this, the special effects team has said, like, try not to be too worried about this because this is not something you would do lightly. This is not something that, yeah. like, you would just do for the fuck of it. Like, but, that's, right. but that's something you say when it's very early. I mean, the more it goes on, the cheaper it gets. CGI used to be crazy prohibitively expensive now it's it's gonna be a thing one way or the other i mean look back at tron legacy even even when like jeff bridges is alive they're still having like a younger version of jeff bridges like this this whole like freaking out that people are doing it's different obviously because peter cushing is dead though his estate apparently was okay with it yeah i mean i I, I just thought the choice to show it full-on was the wrong one you could have gotten away with him in shadow reflected everyone would have understood no one would have been upset about it and it would have been a fine way to do it. And then, it just, for me, wrong choice. Wrong choice. I, I would always prefer they get a lookalike. See, um, lookalike would have been fine. As good as you can do. Normally, I, I would do that. And I think, because they, they did do lookalikes with someone like General Dodonna, who I don't expect you to necessarily know. But he was one of the the generals at the um, on, on Yavin 4. And so instead of just, like, digitally pasting him in, they hired a lookalike. Uh, right. It's one Mon, of the Mon yeah, Mon well, Mon Mothma also worked because she had played Perfect. her in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And so, but she worked, she looked like Mon Mothma. Yeah, it, so it's just one of those things that worked out very well, where the actress who they hired, like, you know, 10 years ago to play her in, like, a few scenes just happened to, like, really, really, really nail yeah. the resemblance Love in the first that. place. Yeah. But it also works, I think it also sort of works because, like, how many people really remember Mon The average viewer does not really remember Mon Mothma that well. They will remember that there was like a redheaded woman, I think. But if you say, oh, this is Peter Cushing and this is Princess Leia, I think that's when it gets to a little bit of like, I understand why the choice was made to use a CGI double for those characters. Those are like primary characters. Princess Leia, prefer like, Princess Leia 100%, you cannot recast her. 100%. I think you could have gotten away with recasting Grand Moff Tarkin. I'm glad. Yeah, see, so. I'm glad they didn't though, because I like Peter Cushing and I oh. like Grand Moff Tarkin, and so it was it was really nice for me to see this character who I really liked in the original movie, but doesn't have a whole lot to do except like stand there and bark out orders. It was nice to see him like get to do things again. I I, 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 can, think, I can recognize that. I used to think his name was Grandma Tarkin when I was little. <laughs> That's how I used to refer to him as Grandma Tarkin. <laughs> Very confusing. Yeah, so I, I found those those scenes to be jarring, <laughs> uh, but good. I mean, I don't know. I, I was gonna say, oh, this is what I was gonna say. The other the other thing I would have been, I would have preferred is like facial uh, uh, prosthetics to make people look like other people. Mm-hmm. Like 
people didn't love that in um, Looper was the movie oh, where they. Yeah, no, oh, that was just jarring, honestly. Yeah. See, it didn't bother me at all. I didn't even notice it. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, maybe it's just that I know I'm familiar enough with Joseph Gordon-Levitt to realize when there's something wrong with his face. Right. And I would have been much happier in Looper had they not done anything prosthetic with him. And it was just I, I, I could have just, you know, overlooked the fact that he yeah. will not look Speaking like. Speaking of which, is is Ryan Johnson still supposed to direct a Star Wars movie? I mean, he is. He He's, he, he's directing he eight, did, right? Uh, yeah, he did eight. It's in post right now. That is so cool. That is, I'm really excited oh, for that because I really liked Looper. Yeah, I like I mean, Ryan Johnson in particular. I think he does great. Did you see Brothers Bloom or Brick? Only Looper. Love okay. Brick. You should see, you should 100%, Brick, it's a high school noir movie. If you can, like, buy into the concept, it's a fantastic movie. Um, Brothers Bloom is probably a little more approachable because it's just sort of more of a general kind of, Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how to describe it, but but I would 100% recommend Brick. It's a great movie. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'll say I don't I don't watch a ton of movies. This Rogue One is actually the first movie I've seen in theaters. Mm-hmm. Ever? Uh, oh, since, my God. No, yeah. since Star Wars 7. Um, so this is something of yeah, a, no, a yearly tradition for you. Yeah, well, the other thing is, I uh, this is the first time I ever went to a movie by myself. Oh, um, that's nice. So it was it was really really nice. It was a kind of a great morning. I woke up and the sidewalks in DC were all covered in ice, oh. and I like slipped and slid my way over to Chinatown. <laughs> um, caught Rogue One, uh, bought myself a, a five dollar bottle of water and some bunch of crunch. Bunch of crunch. That's what I wanted to talk nice. about. I got bunch of crunch at Rogue. Those One. are great. Um, absolutely that- loved it. Made my way about two thirds of the way through the box before the movie ended, and then I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I'm, I'm amazed that I didn't finish this bunch of crunch. And then I looked at the package, and there's like 600 calories worth of bunch of crunch in a box. <laughs> no, never looked. So I was like, "Of course, that's why I didn't want any more." Like I have 400 calories worth of candy. Like that's, that's enough for my stomach. You're happier like, never knowing. Well, I'm not even trying to watch my figure or anything. I was just like, that explains why like the thought of eating more chocolate right now makes me feel a little bit sick because <laughs> I've had way more chocolate than I thought. Uh-huh. Um. I do really like too that in that uh, I, I think fifteen or twenty years ago, a bunch of crunch used to come in a bag inside the box. Yeah. Um, and now it so comes in the box, loose in the box, which is inside plastic wrap, and I much prefer mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I really kind of like the aesthetic of like the this sort of yeah. bits and pieces coming out of the cardboard box, yeah. just pouring right out into your hand. Brendan, did you um, get any snacks when you saw Rogue One? I don't use. Oh no! Well, the first time I saw it, do you do you guys have Lux level? No. no. Okay. So Lux. What's that? Probably something similar. I'm, I'm, oh yeah, I'm 100 percent sure you do. I don't know how proprietary or what chains use this terminology, but Lux level for certain theaters in the Massachusetts area is where I think the ticket was around thirty dollars, and you get unlimited popcorn and a meal voucher to use during oh, it. Oh cool! So when I saw it for the first time uh, with with some friends of mine before I went home, I got you know actual dinner. I think I got like a turkey burger and truffle fries or something with it. That sounds great. It was. It, it's it's like Lux level. It's like an expensive investment, yeah. but I, if you if you're willing to pay like slightly more, I think it's a good experience. Like there's there are little like call buttons. So like if you want to refill or something, you could like someone will come over to you and just like get you another drink. Um, That's cool. It is, and it's like because that's also like because it is more expensive. You don't get a whole lot of like screaming children or people who don't yeah. want to be there in the theater, which that's is always great. yeah anything that will weed out the chaff is like a great experience for me and uh the second time i saw it i i think i just had uh, a bottle of mountain dew i saw it with my mom when oh, i was home oh. over christmas and she fell asleep about 10 minutes in oh. and <laughs> did not wake up until the, the end so uh oh, that's amazing yeah i enjoyed it the second time but i will say i saw star wars 7 at the Arclight in bethesda mm-hmm. um absolutely loved the theater I think for me, as someone who doesn't like movies as a medium that much, mm-hmm. 
um, that when I do go see a movie, I find it to be really valuable to like really structure the whole environment as perfectly as possible. Like for this, I just went to like my local theater, like, you know, one, one train stop, two train stops away, it's three train stops. Um, <laughs> but, oh yes, please uh, get it right. <laughs> and, and that was nice. And it was nice to be able to stay in the city and it was nice to be able, and it was also dangerous to drive that day. So I shouldn't have driven cause the roads were all icy. Um, and then, you know, after the movie, I went to Bed Bath & Beyond across the street. You know, it was a good, yeah. it was a good, good thing. But I do think for Star Wars 8 or for, um, uh, you know, if I go see Logan or something, like <laughs> if there's a movie that gets me to come out of my house to go see a movie, well, I, do it up, I think it's probably worth going to the Arclight and, and seeing the movie. I, uh, yeah. I think it's almost um, always worth paying more for like a better experience. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Brian? Did um, you, did you saw, eat anything when you saw Rogue One? I did. Uh, I had uh, pulled pork nachos, <laughs> uh, nice. which are very good. I want that now. And um, the weird thing is I got my ticket. Um, I went to see it uh, reluctantly in 3D. I usually don't like seeing it in 3D, mm-hmm. but there's no way to get a reserved seat in. And I want, it was like opening weekend, so I should get a reserved seat. That way you were right seat. to do it. I was very smart to do that. And the, when I got there, when I got to my seat, it was like it was P. 10 or something like that. And I got to the row, and the P row is the D box row. So I was thrown saying, oh, oh. I, maybe I'm in the wrong theater. Like a double, I even left, but back down, looked outside. No, this is starting at 140. Mine's at 140. There's no way they scheduled the same movie starting at the exact same time in two different theaters. There's no way they did that. So it must be right. But while I was sitting there, I was waiting for someone to show up the whole time. Like the first 20 minutes of the movie, someone's going to walk in here and say, you're in my seat. So I, was, I couldn't enjoy myself like the first ten minutes. I was like, <laughs> hey, eat my food quickly, so I don't have to awkwardly get my coat, my food, and leave and go find a different theater. Yeah. Um, so I was like uncomfortable for the first like ten minutes, <laughs> wolfing down my food, and okay, every time someone and it was near the back too. Um, so I wasn't sure like if, so if anyone's coming up, there's very little chance that they're going to another row, because there's only like two rows behind me. But happily, everyone who came up near me was like, okay, they're sitting down. Okay, <laughs> but, so I couldn't really enjoy my snacks as much for those first ten minutes or so. But I did get some very delicious pulled pork nachos, and no one kicked me out of my seat, so it was good. Whenever what did you guys oh, go ahead? I was just because this just a random ass story, but whenever we saw um, Ghostbusters, the the new Ghostbusters movie over the summer, yep. um, I was with my uh, my roommate Lee and our friend Chris, and we. <laughs> Neither Chris nor I noticed this, but apparently someone a couple rows in front of us entered the movie late and must have been carrying either an umbrella or a cane or something long. And Lee saw him and was preoccupied for the first like 15 minutes of the movie that he had brought a gun into the theater oh, and was God. about oh. to like go off at any point because oh, like it was not a rainy day, so he had no reason to have an umbrella. And she she was just saying the thing like, man, if someone is going to like open fire on a movie this week, it's definitely going to be some lunatic yeah. who's going to shoot people seeing Ghostbusters. And thankfully, that was not the case. But oh, she later said that she like does not remember the first like 15 minutes of the movie because she was so preoccupied yeah. with this guy. But that's a very lot. understandable. Very yes. Oh, wow. Upsetting. Yeah, it's 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 Did a little guys... more dour than your story about. Be <laughs> worried about <laughs> out of the My seat. wrong seat dilemma. <laughs> yeah, but, but you. I you, brought you an umbrella as a rogue one. Oh, and I left it in the theater when I left. I went did my whole purchase at um, at Bed Bath and Beyond, uh, and then went back. And by the way, oh. at Bed Bath and Beyond, I posted this on my personal Facebook. There, the, uh, there was the Hanukkah section there. This was like, whatever <laughs> the movie came out mid December or whatever. Uh-huh. 
And in the Hanukkah section, they have just like a stuffed singing Jew. Oh, no. <laughs> oh that's right. I remember you talking about this. Oh, no. It's it's just a Jew. Oh. Like, there's no... It's not a Hanukkah character. Like, there's no Hanukkah Harry or anything. Not Dreidelstein? Like, that's not a thing. What? Not Dreidelstein from Clone High? I mean, it was literally <laughs> just like a Jewish person. So and he sings Havana Gila, that's, so, and that's it. And he doesn't even sing the Dreidel song, which feels like such a given. That's right. He's just a Jew. Jews love the Dreidel song. He's not song. a Hanukkah Jew. His tag says expressions of celebration. <laughs> and if you squeeze oh. his hand, he sings Havana Gila. And this is something I've seen a lot in the Hanukkah season, like the holiday advertisements. The other one is the Mensch on the Bench. Oh, uh, yeah, Mensch um, on the Bench I've seen. There's Elf on a Shelf, which is a, a mythical being. Terrible. That is involved with Christmas. Fine. Monsters. So glad that was not a thing when I was a kid. Me too. My parents would never have gone with that. They, they, Mensch they, on a Bench is a person, mm-hmm. is a Jewish man, mm-hmm. a mensch. who you buy, and he sits on your bench and and uh, tells your children they have to behave or something. Yeah. But I, I like seeing the ads for it, and you have like a dancing elf, and then there's just like a dancing Jew, I guess, to advertise the other the other thing. I've seen and Fiddler I on the Roof. The you guys weirdest... love to dance. <laughs> oh, no. Fiddler on the Roof also weirds me out. I know. I, I trust me. I I was listening to that episode where I was not here for listening to you guys discuss how hard yeah. the Firestein wrote Fiddler on the Roof, and I was sitting there <laughs> screaming, "No, he did not." <laughs> well, I I don't know. My entire um experience of Fiddler on the Roof is um the homage that Colbert did of it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was weird because it was just a bunch of people with like taped on sideburns. I mean, that's what the movie and is. black hats and, and, like, prayer shawls on. And it just seemed a little toneless. I mean, it was bizarre. Like, you couldn't get away with doing a Muslim caricature like that. Oh. But you can do a Jewish thing for some reason. I mean, Fiddler on the Roof, I think, is different because it is, like, a cultural, uh, a piece of media that's endemic in our culture and, like, people like it. Well, it was, it, written, it, I mean, it was written by Jews based on Jewish stories. Yeah. Like, its, it's that's, creative that's... team was, like, Jewish. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm not mad about Fiddler on the Roof itself anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's I don't know that's my little Jewish tirade um, so okay I'm sorry just to go back to the initial question how many of the singing Jews did you end up buying uh, I've got I mean looking around my apartment now yeah. I've got like a counter a table and like a couple of side tables and, and a couple a like left and in I've the got, package like, for collective yeah, purposes I've got like one or two on each of those day. yeah and then, well, like, you know, um, I have, I, I, you know, I moved recently. I have, like, a bookshelf. There's not quite enough, like, books to fill it out. Oh, yeah. So I just, like, padded that out with additional, like, you know, mint inbox uh, mensch on a Beautiful. bench. You know. And, and those will be worth something in, in 10 or 15 oh, years. Hopefully a lot. But, you know, for now, no, you know, they look nice. This is your 401k you know. now. Yeah, 100%. What's that? I mean, yeah, exactly. Is- well, the, then the other thing is, like, you know, I, I've got this apartment that's, like, my apartment. I live here by myself. And I really want, when people walk in, I, I don't want it to look like a gross bachelor pad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I put a lot of work into Class making this place look presentable, you know? So all the things that, like, any any self-respecting person has. You know, I've got a, a living room that's set up nicely. I've got a kitchen that's well-appointed and kept clean. Mm-hmm. I've got, like, 16 or 17 mench on a bench is just peppered it, it's around. It's almost a cliche at this point, Eric. I mean, yeah. Like, you, you have to, you know? Like, they're, they're there. And, and it's just, like... It's just like the icing on top. Like it makes the place just look like it pulls the whole thing aesthetically. Yeah. It pulls the whole place together. Got a good feng shui going on. I 
can see. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's well, it's nice because whichever, wherever you stand, no matter where you look, like you can always see like a couple of them, so you know, like you're protected and safe. Oh. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice, I'm glad to nice know touch. You. Yeah, happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to you too. <laughs> um, did you guys find that the characters were hard to keep track of in this movie? Less so um, than probably other ones. So I'm me, so no. Yeah. Okay. I feel like there there are a lot of questions there. I think Brendan came in with like a binder with detailed character. Binders. Yeah, I, I came in with my Rogue One <laughs> character guide already, being like, all right, I know everyone's backstory. I do not the know. I do not know the name of the man in the movie. Cassian. You know Andor. the guy. What is it? Cassian, Cassian Andor? Andor. Yeah. Did they ever say that? Yeah. yeah. K2 calls him Cassian a couple points. I don't remember if they state Andor in the movie, but uh, he's referred to as Cassian. I think because like the beginning. Jin Erso, she gets called by her name many times. Yeah. Uh, uh, so does the um, Bobby or whatever the pilot. Bodhi. Yeah. Bodhi. Uh, but the two, um, the sword guy and the gun guy, their names are not spoken much. Shirdi Way and Baze Malbus. I remember Baze Malbus, but Shirdi Way is the one that I keep forgetting. Baze Malbus is a good name. Baze Malbus is the one with the gun. Cheered is the blind yeah. one. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean... I thought the I, I, like, even regardless of knowing their names, I thought the characters were distinctive enough that I recognized when they're on screen who it was. I didn't have to think back which one's this one. Definitely. Yeah. Although I did find that Baze Malbus and um, uh, Forrest Whitaker's character, whatever that yeah. guy's name is, I, I, Saul Guerrero, I found that those characters were weirdly similar, I think. Like... They 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 were aesthetically very similar. Yeah, I thought I um, they're the sort of big, bulky, uh, padded out uniform <laughs> or, or outfit they they were wearing. You know, um, sort of met long, messy hair. I, I felt like they were maybe a little bit redundant as characters. Like I feel like maybe in an earlier version of the movie, like Saul Guerrero comes along with the group and was like Baze Malbus. Is Kara, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I mean, yeah. A, a problem I have, one of the problems I do have with the movie is that Sagarera basically shows up and then dies. Like there's really nothing yeah. you get from him. He was really unsatisfying as a character. Yeah. I found I found him really interesting, and and I I wanted to know a lot more about him. Yeah, I I, I agree. I feel like he was definitely underserved in the movie. Yeah. Um. I also thought that Jin Erso's turn from sort of apathetic to passionate was very quick and not entirely earned. Yeah, it just wasn't handled too well. Yeah. Like I didn't really perceive her ever as becoming passionate. I perceived her as well. I mean, because she kept doing the whole like initially, she was like, you know, like you, you whenever she sees Sagarero, she's like, you've got your intro, and that's all I needed. And then she's about to leave before right. he wants to show her the hologram. And so it's I, that same it's that same Han Solo thing though. No, well, Han Solo, I can I can accept more. Han Solo, I think, had a little bit more focus, and he gets dragged along for an entire journey before he shows up at the end and then does the right thing. Yeah, like Han Solo's okay, change yeah, is that. like at the last minute. It, it didn't bother. I mean, I didn't. It's not. No, it's not like it wasn't like sitting there being like this is totally unbelievable. But I just yeah. think <laughs> that like it could have been better served. I see that. Yeah, I, I felt. I don't know. I didn't really understand her motivations from from much of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was a weird. Uh, what they what they were doing was is a bunch of characters who all have different goals and all sort of ended up working together to achieve one big thing, and and they all have their own motivation to do it. But that's how you it felt it's crazy. <laughs> but it felt it felt undirected to me. Like it felt like yeah. they were all kind of flying off in different directions a little bit. So I wanted to, like, that first hour, I'd want to just rework that more. 
I think you could do a lot better with that first hour or so and get yeah. that kind of thing better done than what they did. I liked the character of her father a lot. I did too. Um, yeah. I would like to have seen a little more from his perspective. I was impressed. And the boys talk about this in the actual <laughs> Rogue Boys yeah. episode. They talk about how they pulled off a very rare thing that a prequel did. They actually gave you a, a different perspective on the movie they were a prequel to. <laughs> the whole yeah. thing where he built in the weak spot into the Death Star purposely. Yeah. Wasn't just yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. It was, like, it was a brilliant move. I mean, very rarely can a prequel ever do something like that. And it's something that you know, Star Wars got made fun of a lot of. Like, oh, they have this big thing, you know, hole they just shoot and blah, blah, blah. And there's been justifications. Oh, it's on a weird angle. It'd be almost impossible to do, blah, blah, blah. But then you find out, no, no, that was done on purpose. And here's how you do it. And here's the plans. That was the whole point of the plans. Right. I like that. And it makes yeah. sense that the Rebel Alliance got the plans then, too. Because, exactly. like, that would have been a weird, like... It's a weird MacGuffin for that. Oh, yeah, we got the plans, and there's a weakness. Great, you know. Right, yeah. The, the plans um, very explicitly state what the weakness is. It all works out. It says, "Don't shoot here." Yeah. All right. Um, and even though uh, I, I knew that obviously they get the plans, it was still super tense in that like hallway run where the guy is trying to get. Yeah. Oh yeah. Skater. It was great. Like, and, and like the door opens a crack, and he's like they're banging on the door, and they're gonna just throw it through the door. I'm like almost screaming in the theater, just throw it, throw it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I also found the the scene as they were trying to get the plans out of the um, uh, that is so bizarre. Sorry, I, I'm looking out my window at what I thought was like a parking garage, and somebody is standing there. It must be a balcony to somebody's apartment. Anyway, modern um, architecture, am I right? This this building I'm looking at is like super modern too. Like it's very it's very expensive and fancy building that that I. Just ogle all the time and wish. <laughs> Take like, a picture and put up on the Facebook page. Yeah, <laughs> I sure I can do that. I don't know if I want to do that actually, because then I will. It will be evident where I live. <laughs> I've posted pictures on my personal Facebook page out my window here, and like Gus Voorhees from from the Facebook group commented on there and is like, "Oh, I know where you live now. I know what building you live in." <laughs> oh, no. Um. So yeah, I gotta I gotta be careful with that. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. What was I saying? Um, oh, oh, you're the them getting the plans from the Citadel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the tension on the planet where they were getting the plans, too, yeah. um, I, I found to be really, really good and really tense. Um, I thought the, 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 it was a little contrived that they had to climb to the top of a tower. Yeah, and, and that feels like a big, that's like a movie thing. It's like almost like a Joss Whedon thing where there's a big yeah. structure that you have to, like, climb grates to get to. It was the narrow walkway. Yeah. Just yeah, which is split. also a very Star Wars. Yeah, no, it's always been a lot of Star Wars thing to have like to have this satellite dish, and then at the other end, at the end of a long platform over yeah. nowhere, to have the controls for the satellite dish. Like yeah. this is what happens yeah. when you're unregulated, guys. You can just put anything <laughs> wherever the fuck you want. Um, but you know, and as the as everybody died, I, I thought some of the deaths were better than others. Um, but I thought it was an interesting choice to have everyone die I at like the end. It. I did. Too. I honestly, um, did, I was not surprised that they died, but I was yeah. still a, a little bit surprised. Like I expected that they could, but I did not think that it would happen in a Disney Star Wars movie. Yeah, going. I felt that it going into the movie, ahead. I thought they're probably not going to all get there. They're prequel. They're not in any of the follow-ups. I mean, that's obviously a yeah. retro thing. They can't have foreseen that, but that I mean, they could do this. And I think I heard too that there was a no sequel. Uh, plan for this movie. They're not doing sequels. Mm-hmm. Although one of the actors did have a sequel clause. I read afterwards who it was. Yeah. And uh, I go, 
they might all die in this. And I kind of liked it. Yeah. And the way they pulled it off, too, it wasn't like they all died at the same moment. They all were in different spots. It all happened at different points in the last, like, 30, 40 minutes, whatever it was. Um, some oh. were more significant than others. And you had that, obviously, the big one at the end. Um, I was yeah, honestly that... still waiting for, like, Jin and Cassian to somehow get away up until the very last. But I really thought it was going to happen. So, like, I was also really glad they didn't yeah. kiss. Oh, yeah. I was, too. I thought their relation, like, I've seen people online complain that they thought their relationship was forced. But I don't think they really had a relationship. Yeah. It was just, like, two people yeah. who realized that, like, they're both going to die looking for yeah. sort of, like, a, a connection with each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where I think no matter, if you're in a situation where you just see a mushroom cloud in the distance, you're next to one other person, you're probably going to bond instantly with that person. Yeah, yeah. probably going to chuck a hug their way. Exactly. No matter who it is, <laughs> you're going to grab their hand at the very least. Just a yeah. human thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I, I found it a little, I don't know, frustrating or, or unsatisfying that all the characters died in different ways and then a bomb got dropped on them and they all would have died from that anyway. <laughs> Oh, you know, I think the individual. Like, death, it was good that everyone, ha- yeah, had meaningful deaths and everything. Everyone but... something to do, one yeah. last thing to do, like run out into the gunfire and all that. Like, it's yeah. a little heroic moment for the most part. Oh. I, I think it devalues that heroism a little bit to say, well, y'all would have died in fifteen minutes anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that that bothered me a little bit. Um. But I was I was glad that everyone died. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 well, here, here's what I'll say. Like, I thought it was a very good move for the narrative of the movie and not something I expected them to do because I expected them to leave a bunch of tantalizing danglers for other, you know, sequels. And right. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, one of them will show up in episode that. eight out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. At the very least, now, you I want them say... to like sell action figures. So like, why would you like, you know, kill yeah. everyone off? You can't continue the adventures say, anymore I... in your living room. Right. I found the um, brutality of this movie to be really jarring. Um, and this may be because I don't consume a lot of war-based or action-based yeah. media. Um, even the video games I play are mostly fantasy-based, and the books I read are fantasy-based. So I guess I'm kind of used to like fantasy violence and, and stuff like that, um, where I think a lot of time deaths of human characters especially are treated with either uh, weight as if to say it matters that this person died, or it's treated with a, a sense of brutality that is evident in the telling that says, look how fucked up it is that all these people died. Yeah. I think action movies really cavalierly have people die, and, and I've heard people say, like, oh, this is ruining our children or something to see people die all the time. I don't necessarily feel that, no. but I do find that as someone who's not desensitized to it at all, it's really, really disturbing uh, to, find, to to see like people get shot casually and have the movie treat it as a casual thing. Yeah. I appreciate um, that when uh, like a movie will do that. With I mean, I, it's a ballsy choice to do that. I mean, it was very controversial. Spoiler for any Buffy the Vampire uh, newbies. <laughs> uh, in the finale, they kill off uh, Anya almost very casually, like before the big battle yeah. and all that, almost offhandedly. Um, and it was something that she had requested. She had asked that her character be explicitly killed off. Uh, okay. And uh, and so they did it, and it was still a well done thing. Uh, it wasn't like they you know trashed the character on that, but it, she's she's killed off before the big finale confrontation, um, almost as a side thing. And I thought that was a good choice. I liked that they did that. It's not something for everyone though. I can totally understand when people don't like when characters are casually thrown off. Star Trek: Next Generation did a terrible disservice to Tashi Yar. <laughs> when they killed her off very casually in the first 10 minutes of 
a mid-season episode, um, and it was purposely done. They said, we're going to show how anyone can die at any moment, and we're going to kill off this character with no fanfare, no real point to the death. Um, and they kind of retroactively undid that later, but um, it doesn't always work. Mm. I, I, it didn't bother me from a narrative level as much as it bothered me from like a role. the human yeah. compassion level. Yeah, just, uh, you know, I... In fact, from a narrative level, I think it made sense. This is a war. People are, you know, they, they need to do brutal things to do what they need to do to try to save the world. Um, but and I do think it actually on a narrative level did a good job of 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 painting this rebellion as what it is, which is like a weird sort of terrorist insurgent yeah. organization that is killing a lot of people to achieve political ends uh, that they feel uh, justify the means, and of course, in the universe of Star Wars, they're right, um, as justified by things like the Death Star. Um, but considering what I would do in their situation, no fucking way would I like kill people to get plans to try to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I could never do You'd that. You'd be a so, terrible so rebellion think, member then. Yeah, but I would. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think on a narrative level, it did a good job of of painting kind of the realities of what they're going through. Um, but it bothered me personally. There's a moment um, in the movie where I was watching it near the end, like in that last like half or something like that, when I, it occurred to me, oh, they're all going to die. And I smile a little bit to myself. I go, oh, <laughs> choice. this is so cool. They're all going to die. You're not going to get like the super happy ending. You get the plans out, which is your happy ending. But, oh, what a great choice. Good. Yeah. I still kind of wanted Jin to like. I don't know. I don't know. The it was out of good there, that they all died. Going to the Starship Enterprise and fly away. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Finally, the universes are one. You imagine they yeah. lose their minds. Oh my God, what's happening? Uh, <laughs> no explanation. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It was. I thought it was a good movie, though. I, I really did. Uh, I, I was glad I went and watched it. I'm glad I watched. You know. I'm glad I went to the theater to see it. I'm glad the Doughboys talked about it. Yeah, yeah, I was very glad to be once I had, now since I saw it, I was glad to be able to participate in the conversation on Doughboys, you know, <laughs> like or uh, you know around Doughboys. <laughs> um, since I don't see a lot of movies, if it had been any other franchise, I probably wouldn't have watched the movie, yeah. uh, and I would have been out of luck for that episode. I might have listened anyway, but oh, you'd have to for this job. Well, just, Naturally, just for this show. What else would yeah. you talk about? <laughs> I don't know all the other shit we talked about that this episode. Um, so uh, let's do ratings on uh, sure. Star Wars, uh, Rogue <laughs> One, a Star Wars story, and then on, after that we can on the movie can itself or this the episode. episode. <laughs> uh, let's do let's do a quick rating on the movie and then <laughs> what, what, uh, what rating system we're using for the movie? Oh God, um, uh, five uh, blue milks, uh, bantha, five five uh, wookies, five wookies, or. Five CGI Tarkins. Oh, there we go. That's it. <laughs> yes. Five resurrected actors. <laughs> oh, no. Five CGI Tarkins. I like that. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Brian, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, for the movie, uh, I enjoyed it. Again, the first hour is a bit of a slow. Um, I thought they could have reworked that a little bit better with more character stuff. I think would have paid off better. Um, I thought the choice to use full-on CGI Tarkin and Leia was the wrong one. They could have gotten around that in, like, in shadow or not. Uh, but it didn't ruin the movie. 
And I thought that last hour or so was fantastic. I love that they killed everyone off. Um, yeah, I thought it was very enjoyable. Fun ride. I might have enjoyed it a little more than episode seven, controversially. Uh, so wow. I'm going to give this, I'm going to say, I'm going to say four CGI targets. Okay. I would, um, I, I, I have a lot of the same thoughts that you did, actually. I do, I, I like the movie as a whole. I do think the beginning was a little bit slow also. I think the, the scene, the, I, I'm blanking on the planet name, but where they're trying to get, uh, Galen, it's, it's, that's, I think, the point for me where I think things are going a little bit slowly and I wish they would just move a little bit quicker. Um, I, like I said, have some issues with Jen and how she uh, is portrayed as a character. I think that there could have been some uh, a little bit more work done on her to to sort of make her hit home a little bit more. But at the end of the day, I think this was really enjoyable. This had a great ending. This last scene of Darth Vader is fantastic. Yeah. I think it portrays parts of A New Hope and A New Light, which I think is one of like the hardest things to do. Like you said, it also really changes the perspective of seeing like when you see Princess Leia like in A New Hope talking to Darth Vader and she's like, I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission yeah. to Alderaan. It's like he just saw you leave. Like, yeah. like he knows that that's not the case, but you're still there being like, no, fuck you. This is what I am. Like I did this. And she's just like lying openly to his face and they both know it's a lie. But like that just makes her all the more ballsier, I think. Yeah. So I would probably go with four CGI Tarkins and one CGI Princess Leia. Oh, nice touch. Yeah. Very nice touch. I enjoyed this movie. I was glad I went to see it. It was worth my time. Um, I think it was a. It, it felt truly like a Star Wars movie. Um, I didn't like it as much as Episode Seven, but I did find that it felt more like a Star Wars movie than Episode yeah, Seven. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, it felt so fully like a Star Wars movie, um, and I think that's really important. Um, and I think that's what Mitch was responding to as well. Um, mm-hmm. It it feels right for the universe. It feels right for the rest of the universe. Um, I think style-wise, the movie made some mistakes. Um, I think the title cards or whatever you want to call those, the little labels of what planet yeah. they're on were a little jarring. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish that the movie had done a little bit of a better job letting me know who everybody is and what all the planets are, you know? No, no, there was nowhere that had a, a, as full a sense of place as, you know, like Mos Eisley or um, Coruscant even. Um, but that all said, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, the characters were fun to watch. The actors were all really interesting. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I, it kept my attention for the entire, uh, you know, whatever, two hours and 20 minutes or whatever it is. So, um, so I can't complain. Uh, overall, I would give it uh, three and a half. Uh, CGI Grand Moff Tarkins. Um, it was uh, certainly a good movie, and I'm glad I saw it. Um, so let's do a roundup of the episode then, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> what did you guys think of Rogue Boys, the Doughboys episode about Rogue One? I, it was a great palate cleanser, honestly, after the last episode. I'm, I'm glad it was something yeah. that they tackled because I think given <laughs> given like the year of Force Awakens stuff that they've been talking about like throughout all the episodes, it was nice to have one that was just devoted to a new Star Wars movie. And frankly, I hope it's something mm-hmm. that they continue to do when uh, episode 8 comes out. So uh, for, for me, this was... I, again, I feel like I would give it four out of five bad hashtags because, like, it's 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 not a Doughboys episode, but it was a really good episode to listen to. Yep. 
I, I pretty much will echo that. I thought Drew McWeeny was a great guest for yeah. this. Uh, he was, I, I mean, you could have him back as a regular guest for a regular episode, no problem. I think he'd do fine. Um, I thought the discussion of uh, the movie itself was really good. I liked that. I was just happy that Mitch liked it. Uh, it was just nice that <laughs> it was a relief. It was nice that everyone liked it, and like you said, it was a nice palate cleanser from the previous week. It was very positive. Uh, I was very happy. It was just a nice listen to. I liked that it was a smaller episode too. It was under fifty minutes, unlike one of our ridiculous episodes. Apparently, um, we just always do two hours. Yeah, well, yeah no this is not what we planned uh, you know, going into this. That makes but. sense. It's not. It's not off. Um, but um, <laughs> overall, I would say because it's not a regular episode, I'm probably gonna get the same thing as Brennan. It's four out of five bad hashtags. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I-, I didn't find it to be transcendent, but I did find it to be very good and very fun to listen to. Um, it was surprisingly uh, uh, fun to listen to, considering that they all agreed and had very similar yeah. opinions about mm-hmm. the movie. Um, but I think much like we did, we had very similar opinions about the movie, but there's still a lot to talk about with this movie. There's a lot to pick apart yeah. and a lot of, of, of meta conversations to have about the choices that they made and what they mean for the Star Wars movies moving forward and how they compare to other things done in other Star Wars movies. Um, the guest was really great. Um, Nick and Mitch were in fine form. It was it was really nice to hear them being friendly yes. <laughs> to each other and having fun and and um, I, I think <clears throat> it was a nice in another nice instance of changing up the Doughboys segment the Doughboys uh, format as a way to give the give the show new life. Um, and uh, par- on top of that, it was just fun to listen to. So yeah. uh, I'm gonna we're, we're in the hand holding club here, guys. I'm gonna Aww. give four out of nice. five bad hashtags as well. Good job. Nice. Um, it is in the golden episode club. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, and, uh, in the hand holding club. Um. So uh, so I guess that's it for our our episode uh, conversation for Rogue Boys. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to cover on this episode of Full Boys? Oh, I think pretty much covered oh, yeah. it. Oh, oh, there is something. I do have something. Um, yeah. I have an Onion page of the day calendar, and this is the proper uh-huh. one for today. The article is, uh, the headline is, Invasive Restaurant Franchise Spreads to Third State. <laughs> the last line is, uh, let me see here, uh, Wilcox added that her agency might have no choice but to unleash a larger predatory franchise into the area, such as a Chipotle or Panera Bread. <laughs> In order to drive the invasive eatery out of the region for good. I love that. Nice. The onion is great. Um, one scene from Rogue One, by the way, that I wanted to mention was uh, the the scene where Bodhi says Rogue One as his call sign. Yeah. I thought that was a little. I didn't mind. It, a little it, didn't, silly. it didn't bother me. I was no, fine. I mean, it was it was done kind of tongue in cheek. You get where yeah. the, you get where the title comes from. They really drew it out, though. Did, so wait, did you? I don't. I don't think we. This will be my last thing. Did we didn't really touch upon Darth Vader's uh, choking on your aspirations oh. joke, Ugh. which I liked, but apparently a lot of people who I spoke with did not care for that I, line. I don't think it, they did it right. It didn't bother me at the time when the boys were talking it did about bother it. Me. I, I go, okay, I can kind of see that, but Darth Vader, from when I was a little kid, always seemed to be the, not a pun guy, but. He was um, kind of like darkly sarcastic, like yeah, apology I mean, accepted, Captain Vita. Yeah, it right. didn't. It didn't seem out of place to me, especially when you look back at uh, Episode Four, Darth Vader. Like he's he's sassy in that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of a yeah. goof. Yeah, he's a goof. He's just he's a, a big goof. He's a big goof. Just a big goof. He's a big lovable guy. He's, he's not bad. It's just his way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's uh, like I said before. It the I, I just it just didn't quite ring. 
true to me for for Darth Vader. Um, it makes sense. I think it was a good choice to have him make a pun, but I didn't like it anyway for some <laughs> reason. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I liked the I liked Rogue One as their call sign because it it gives some reason for why there's like a rogue leader and like yeah. Rogue Two yeah, rogue and the squadron, other movies, yeah. like Rogue Squadron. Yeah, because no Brown Squadron. Right. <laughs> Someday. But they're they're all the other ones are all colors and then there's rogue. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was, I, it was good. And you got to anyway. see Red Five die, and that's why Luke is Red Five. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> I missed yeah. that. Um, all right. Uh, follow the podcast at Foboys Pod on Twitter. We always tweet about new episodes. Uh, uh, oh, I wonder if we got any emails. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's something you guys have uh, set up in the last one, so that's not uh, on I do have uh, an email address for us. Uh, it's foboyspod at gmail.com. I need to log into it. Uh, oh, God. I want to see if we have any, any emails. <laughs> Hold on. I have, it, I have it on my other phone. I, was, I, I just had to double check if I actually follow the Twitter account. I do. <laughs> Good news, everyone. I do actually follow the Twitter account. All right, no emails today to talk about, but uh, send us an email at foboyspod at gmail.com, and we will uh, talk about it on the show, I promise. (laughs) Well, if we remember. Um, Follow me at Aaron Staley on Twitter. Uh, What about you guys? At CoconutPhone77. At Beedrish. And Rob is at SigmaLives. All right, thanks for listening to another episode of Foboys. Uh... The Doughboys po- fan podcast. Uh, I'm Aaron Staley. I'm Brendan Drischler. I'm Brian Edwards. And happy listening. See you later. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. Message from Ray Gun Readers. Okay, try it now. Is it working yeah, now? I think it's okay, move over. <clears throat> People of Earth, I am Abysme. And I'm Paprika. We have crash-landed on a moon in your solar system. You crashed us. I wasn't Shut up. I'm on the phone. And we'll maintain this frequency while repairs are made. Which could take a while, so we decided to read some science fiction while we wait. If you crave imaginative stories, intelligent discussion, and comedic banter, be sure to tune in each week. Here on Benview or on YouTube at Raygun Readers. Until we speak again, farewell and safe travels. Why are you doing that stupid voice? It's not stupid. You're stupid and insubordinate. You don't rank me. I'm going to be making some Barefoot Contessa recipes later today. Oh, look nice. Yeah. I was just watching her I, yesterday. I know. I saw that you were just, like mildly enamored with with. Uh, I, with I, I know. She's so I'm nice. I'm way through a Top Chef Season 11 watch right now on my DVDs. Nice. I'm enjoying that. <laughs> I was watching... Who was I watching? Uh, Marcella Hazan this morning. Who's that? Uh, making, she was making brownies on the Food Network. Um, I don't know who she is. She's a... I saw a tweet. Maybe it was a friend on Facebook. Talked about how nice the food net channel is on a sunday morning oh, okay. oh that was me yeah oh that was you yes it's true yeah it is true it's it very is accurate so nice and it's so calming it's just like everyone's everyone's like pleasant they're they're doing creative things they're everyone's making, loving food and just yeah. Yeah. things yeah it's yeah yesterday so yesterday the barefoot contessa was making sloppy joes with a fireman <laughs> was he a gay fireman because like all her friends are like god like that's what she does while jeffrey I is mean, away the gays come over and she has parties Really? Yeah. Oh my God. So do you, like, do you not know? Do you not know? I mean, do you not know? I mean, I don't. Okay. I have not seen the Barefoot Contessa other than yesterday. I mean, well, okay. So it's just I know the Barefoot Contessa is her store, 
I'm, okay. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry to, to have to be the one to correct you. Um, but she, <laughs> so so the, the way her, her husband works. But it's also her show. Yeah, I know. It's the name of her show because that's the name of her store. But like she herself is not the Barefoot Contessa. Um, she, while her husband, I think, works at Yale or something. So he, during the week, is he he has like an apartment or something there. And so during the week, it's just like her and her gay friends. And she just like keeps making food for them whenever they come over. She's like a friend who's like a florist. And then like on the weekend, it's like she gets to see her husband, Jeffrey. There's like a joke on 30 Rock where Liz Lemon talks about how that's her ideal life to have like yeah. a husband who only shows up on weekends and then just have parties with her gay friends during the week. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome i had no idea they have such like a fascinating relationship the two of them they're just like a really interesting couple it's so bizarre but still like it works for them so hey good for you guys hey whatever works for you i i was a husband who only showed up on the weekends and uh i'm divorced now so you just need to you're ina (laughs) exactly you just need to you're you're a woman who likes to cook and wears lousy tops and lives Uh on long island and has has sort of wave looking hair yes and a tv show a bunch of gay friends so Julia sure. Child might be your ideal woman. Ooh, yeah. I'm, she, I do like a woman who's taller than me too. She's a so. dirty bird. Isn't she like six feet tall? Oh, like well, she's not anything anymore. But yeah. Well, wasn't she? Yes. Now she's six feet under. Oh. Oh, oh tell me. You're <laughs> <so> <laughs> <corny>. <laughs> <laughs>